Gentlemen, I'm afraid we cannot proceed with the plans for this game. Our focus groups have come down completely against everything it does. You're right, sir. Playing as a woman in a game no one has heard of before, without a gun in sight, how can we hope to sell such a thing? Let alone the lack of microtransactions. How can we expect people to play this game instead of throwing extra money at us to get ahead? Sirs, I have to say, this hypothesis seems to think remarkably little of our potential audience. Who are the focus testers telling us these things? I swear, sometimes I wish all the casuals in the world were forced back in time to the 8-bit era of the 80s just to see how spoiled and soft they are. Sirs, I think we need to start taking our focus group participants from a different population. Your backlog, The Final Frontier. These are the voyages of the RPG Backtrack. It's continuing mission to explore games from the way back when, right up through yesteryear. To seek out forgotten games and neglected classics. To boldly discuss what you have not played before. Welcome to RPG Backtrack, the longest-running podcast about your favorite RPGs of the past. Get ready for in-depth discussion of plots, characters, gameplay, and more from the staff of RPGamer.com. Here are the hosts of RPG Backtrack, Bill Willis and Mike Minky. And welcome, this is RPG Backtrack, number 211. 211 on the horizon indeed i am phil willis and this is the one the only the very unique mr mike minky you know that's what i actually got voted once most unique i have no idea what the high school as a collective was smoking but they must have been right about something indeed and we got a few other people with us to talk today we'll talk about what we're talking about in just a second but first we're going to introduce mr back again mr michael apps I thought this was a, the hunt. You lied to me. It's all about the hunt. Uh, we have, for the third time back on the show, uh, Mr. S- uh, uh, Pascal. 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 Pascal? Yeah. <laughs> oh, I see. This, this is my punishment. Hello. Hi. Welcome aboard. Welcome back. Just just accept it, Pascal, because uh, Phil, he's getting your name closer than he's gotten a lot of people's. <laughs> Correct the host with the name? How dare I? And and don't worry, it's your third show, but but, but you're no longer the newest person because we have a new person on, uh, and he he calls himself Nathan, but it's not Nathan Shalothan. 
<laughs> oh, I missed so much because he had the coolest name to, to accidentally, totally accidentally get wrong. Yeah, my last name's just Garvin, and no one understands it, so. Mm. Cool. Marvin Starvin. Carvin. <sighs> I came this close Marvin. to being named Marvin Garvin. Hmm, <laughs> uh, that would that wouldn't work, yeah. We shouldn't have told Phil that. There's some fun things we can, we can do with that. Go for it. Mom loves to tell me every time. Well, Nathan, welcome to the show. Since it's your first time on, we do have a battery of questions we have to throw out at you, and it's important how you answer these. Oh, so important. First of all, why don't you tell us um, you know, what, uh, what's your handle on RP uh, Gamer, and what do you do? Uh, my online moniker just about everywhere is Hervon, and I write guides and other stuff about video games but mostly guides for the moment cool cool and do you, do you get paid from game facts for that <laughs> game facts doesn't pay any game facts giving bounties for guides about <laughs> they give bounties but you know you you can get like 250 for a guide from them or you can write for another site and get 1350 so i mean i'm not great with math but i think the one with four digits is the one to write for mm, but let me just make sure these are dollars right you know they're not yes. offering you 1350 yen versus 250 yes yes 1350 dollars did you just call 13 dollars and 50 cents four digits i mean technically <laughs> technically hey, yes, don't you but... don't you discriminate against decimal places okay <laughs> i don't analyze your bank account Oh, shots are fired. (laughs) Why don't you give us a brief overview of your gaming history? Brief? Um, I started playing video games on my dad's Tandy 1000 when I was four, and the first game I remember playing is Pool of Radiance, and I was hooked on RPGs since. Slowly transitioned from console to PC, back to PC, and now I'm mostly a console guy, but I play the odd PC game here and there. Love RPGs, I dabble in other jobs, though. Uh, name dropping the Tandy 1000 has earned you a few brownie points. That's good, because we've had people get kicked from the show before. Uh, what's your favorite type <laughs> of RPG? Action RPG, Western, Japanese, Tactical? What's your What's your favorite type of RPG? Um, I want to say that I like them all, but just looking at the games that I would put on my top ten list is probably Western RPGs. Hmm. And along those lines, what's your favorite RPG of all time? Baldur's Gate 2. Alrighty. I think I'll open up a cool can of Devastator to that. (laughs) That is a mighty fine choice. Mm. Mm. Good stuff. It's going to be a good night because tonight we are talking about the very excellent Horizon Zero Dawn, one of my favorite games, one of Mr. Ass's favorite games. We'll see how the other two feel. But um, I know how Apps feels because Apps and I have talked a lot about it. Mm -hmm. All three of us. Mike, Mike has. Have you played it, Minky? I haven't, unfortunately. Yeah, Mike's, Mike's <gasps> just I, here for emotional support. But I've watched videos on it, and I can tell you that everybody says it's awesome, and it sold millions, which you don't usually get for a brand new IP, which is supposed From to make you some the- kill zone, <laughs> especially. Yeah, yeah. Everyone remembers Kill Zone. Uh, yeah, we try, we try not, not to. Not for the right <laughs> reasons, though. Uh, yeah, so we're going to talk about Horizon Zero Dawn. I am super, so super excited. So we're going to jump right into it right after this commercial message.
Welcome back. This is the main event where we take a game or a gigantic robot and we tear it open to find out what circuitry and gizmos makes it tick. Today we're talking about Horizon Zero Dawn, an action RPG developed by Guerrilla Games, published by Sony Interactive Entertainment. This was released exclusively on the PlayStation 4 in North America on February 28th, 2017. This is a single-player action RPG, and we're just going to go ahead and wrap this in with the Frozen Wilds, the DLC expansion that was released in November about nine months, ten months later. So as we talk through the story, we're, we will also uh, talk about the Frozen Wild and what that adds to the game. We're just going to blend it together. Sometimes we make that two separate things. We're just going to pretend it's just one big happy game for now. So who wants to talk about the story whose name rhymes with maps? Me. So, Go for it. Go for it. Oh, Woo! Yeah! I'm with that. Woo! You know, we're not very picky here at RPG Backtrack, so you just won. Yay, story! I really, Woo! I really wasn't trying to take it. No, I could, I could I could, talk about this. I am your, sick. your name I does am officially sick. rhyme with maps now, though. That's, yeah, that's just going to go with you. Uh, so, 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 so Pascal Laps will talk about the Frozen Wilds. Uh, but right now, Mike Laps is going to talk about the main story. Go for it, Apps. Sure. So, obviously, you play as the character of Aloy, who is uh, um, what the heck is the name of their tribe? I forget, but it's obviously in the post-apocalyptic future because there's robot dinosaurs and everybody has gone back to, like, a tribal nature. It's the Nora tribe. Thank you, the Nora tribe. So she's like an outcast for I forget the exact reason, but she's raised by some other outcast. Okay, I'm going to jump in and help you. <laughs> yes, thank you. It's been a while. <laughs> my name does rhyme with apps now. <laughs> um, so help me fill in the gaps. So there's a. So this is a a nomadic. Well, not not nomadic, but there's a like a tribal, um, almost like what prehistoric kind of uh, yeah. mentality. And um, so. and one day uh, a, a baby is found. Um, so uh, it's really hard to like set this up without maybe giving some background as far as like what machines mean in, in this um, in this society because machines are kind of um, the way I best remember it like considered the like gods or um, I don't know maybe like tools of the gods. Right. So um, they so they find a uh, a baby just mysteriously appearing outside of the um, the the, hmm, the mountain. Like the sacred mountain that they uh, the, that they hold um, in high regards, and <laughs> which is actually mean? it's it's like a bunker to, to give people some context. When you actually see these doors, it's like some like sort of fallout. electronic, right? Mm-hmm. But um, yeah. So how does that lead to her being an outcast? That I'm not quite sure. <laughs> yeah, that I don't. I'm having a hard time remembering that. I just know that she's an outcast because she. Uh, you kind of go play a bit of her as a child, but then she goes to like this, she has to go through this whole ritual and then she'll be allowed into the tribe as like a full member, even though she was an outcast. Yeah, I think Uh, that's it. I think it's just the fact that she's not born as part of the tribe. So she's raised by, by another pariah that lives like on the outskirts named Rost and he raises her and it's on her, whatever they call it in the game, her name day, or like when she reaches a certain age, she's allowed to participate in the coming of age ceremony that all the um all the youths of the tribe have to um pass in order to become 
I guess, full-fledged uh, members of the tribe or full adults. And she is allowed to participate in that to gain her status in the in the tribe. Right. I, I think she was trying to become a brave or something, which is like a, a hunter or warband. I think it's kind of yes. both in one. Yeah. And also the society is highly matriarchal, and I can't remember because it's been a while, but I think one of the reasons she was uh, an outcast is because she technically had no mother, and they were very big on that. But I might be misremembering. Yeah, it could be right. It's... Like the mountain was her mother, but... It's something it, it, weird it, it, like that. All kinds of, yeah. yeah, and an important thing to note that you may have skipped over is that during the portion where you play her during your childhood, she found finds some kind of like let's call it a mini computer um, that she can kind of put on her head and like shows her different displays and stuff. Um, and so you kind of have that. Obviously, that's mainly for a lot of gameplay mechanics and stuff. That's how you well, get like the on on-screen displays and stuff, but it factors heavily into the story as well. True, and, and there's actually, like, there, there's something that goes with that is um, that she, the way she acquires that is she falls uh, through, like, a crack in the, um, like, the forest floor or someplace, and she falls right. into this um, abandoned structure left behind by um, whatever they call it in the game, the uh, the old ones, or whoever, the people that came before that are no longer around, the society that has disappeared and vanished off the face of the earth. Right. So, and, and the reason she acquires um, uh, this, this piece of technology is because it, it somehow, it, uh, it, I believe it interacts with her in a certain way that it doesn't with other people. Like it, it, yeah. um, it recognizes like something about her and it's kept, um, it's kept purposely mysterious for quite a while, like what it is about her. Yeah. A lot, a lot about the story I think is kept mysterious to kind of keep pulling you in. Like, it makes you want to know, like, what the heck happened. Like, it, it never, it takes a while to lay everything out, which I think is for the game's benefit because it kind of introduces the world as it is now and then kind of slowly reveals the secrets of the past. But getting a little ahead of myself here. Um, so I guess so, you you talked all the way up to the, the coming-of-age ceremony. Yeah, so we you get to the coming-of-age ceremony, and during that coming-of-age ceremony, the tribe gets attacked. Um, and what is the name of the group that attacks them? Um, cannot remember. This this part I'm kind of drawing a blank on. I know, so they get I'm attacked. I'm not sure if they give the name at that point, but yeah. I think it's later revealed to be the Eclipse. Right. So but I think at first it's just, you know, bad guys. Yeah, so it's pretty catastrophic attack. Lots of people die. Um, is this the point where her adopted father dies? Yes. Uh, he, yeah, he dies Thank saving you. her in the, yes. in the, in the, in the, during this attack. And just about every other character they built up until that point, which was kind of odd, really. Yeah. Great. It was great. <laughs> like, it's, it's so memorable. It's What a... Because um, it, it, I don't know. It took me a little while to play through this like opening, you know, segment of her growing up, and and I, I the story immediately pulled me in. So when they um, killed off what what seemed to be um, all or most of the important characters up to that point, that was a like a great jumping off point. I thought. Yeah, I agree because especially since this is like a completely brand new franchise. This I'm assuming uh, that this is going to be the only game. Uh, <laughs> The, we really got to do a lot of world building, and I think they did a great job of kind of pulling you in here, like setting up these characters, giving you this basic st- structure, and then pulling out the rug from you and want, making you wonder, you know, what 
what's out there and what exactly is going on. And you're kind of, at that point, tasked with, um, is there an exact task, like avenging them or? Uh, uh, you're supposed to have, I think, to some, you're supposed to have some border fort and then from there you go to Meridian, but I yes. don't remember what the big cause. Like, you're given some position yeah. by the matriarchs, which allows you to leave the, the Holy Valley without becoming some unclean exile. Right. Seeker, maybe, or something? Something like that, yeah. And yeah, it was a nice narrative decision in some ways to uh, kill off a lot of the early characters because it really put a period to Aloy's early life and the childhood rivalries. It's like, well, I guess that's not going to become a recurring issue. So it really helped push you out the door to do the exploration outside of the valley you start out in. Yeah. Well, and it's, you know, I kind of... Um, so yeah, the the first valley that you play, the first part, uh, the uh, the opening chapter, I guess, is. I mean, I thought it was like a fairly large area, and the uh, the whole um, the coming of age ceremony and everybody dying and her being sent out into the world kind of coincides with. Then suddenly you have this. You you realize that the area you, you've been playing in only covers a tiny portion of the world map. So it's it's just everything just kind of. Uh, floods in all at once, you know. All the characters are gone, and this uh, and a brand. The whole world is kind of open to you, and it's so. It's kind of the um, uh, what are the uh, the Breath of the Wild, the Great Plateau moment when you're yeah. you're pushed out into the the real world, and it's and it's in this like real harrowing emotional moment of just like her life changes forever in a real violent way. And I, I don't know, it's very very memorable. I thought absolutely, and this is especially after I think your first fight with like a big robotic monster which is pretty intense so it's just it's this great setup for the the game as a whole and the tribe makes a um a big deal about nobody is allowed to leave the borders of their land um so it's it's against tribal law if you leave you may never come back and you know what's out there nobody knows or the ones who know are no longer around to tell the tale and then suddenly you're sent out into that world um and it you know comes with with the mystery and of of what exactly is the world like I mean, we, you already know so little about the world in this game period so what's the what could the world possibly be like outside of the like the the fence border wall that they've erected and as it turns out it's pretty uh pretty brutal <laughs> uh so after you set out is the meridian your the first major point after you leave the valley i think so i don't remember uh, names of cities is meridian yes. not the, the major capital city yeah it is but yes. i i think you go to some uh border for yeah, first. Think, yeah, yeah you go right. to a few yes. other places yes but that is your ultimate destination because i know you meet someone you meet someone who tells you that that's pretty much where you have to go i forget who it is uh, i want to say it's the captain of the of the border fort you go to and it's a nice juxtaposition because the Nora village is kind of quaint, built on a mountain, and then the city Meridian is actually a city that has mm-hmm. commerce and is built up and quite a bit bigger, actual political intrigue there too. So kind of got this uh, tribal hunter going out into the world and entering what counts as a big city in that world. So, so where does the story go from there? <laughs> I mean, I seem to remember it's it's really littered with a lot of side quests for quite a while after that point. Yeah, I think you have to do some kind of favor. 
some kind of favor for was it the king or uh, yeah king emperor whatever he is the leader something like that uh but just kind of skipping ahead at some point you get at some point you're fighting like some kind of um there's like these ma- machines but they're like i want to say corrupted or something like that and someone starts talking to you over your comm at that point helping you out and silence yes and he eventually starts kind of pointing you in the direction of um, some places where you can find out about the past and not really to help you find out about the past because it becomes clear pretty quickly that silence is obsessed with knowledge and he's sure he's helping you but he's using you and there's really never any doubt about that. Um, but it, it, it's not necessarily, it, or at the, well, it doesn't feel insidious at the time. It just more feels like he's kind of an impersonal, like, knowledge seeker. Um, yeah, and you end up getting guided to old world, like, military installations and, and uh, I want to say science labs, just various high-tech old-world ruins that don't match anything that you're really used to. Um, and through the device you got when you were young, you're able to pick up old data, read old logs. Uh, I think you play back holograms yes. to see certain things. And Aloy becomes fixated with a character from the past that somewhat resembles her, who she sort of attaches like a, a maternal feeling towards. Yes. And that kind of becomes a big impetus for her to keep looking for information on the past. Yes. And you start to get a picture of what exactly happened in the past. And it's essentially, uh, at some point, someone developed um, machines, like AI machines, that could refuel themselves using organic matter. Now, stop me if this sounds like a bad idea. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but essentially, they realize that, oh, these things are going to destroy the world and it's going to happen relatively quickly. Well, uh, not just fueling themselves on uh, organic matter, but they could replicate themselves, too. Yes, that, too. <laughs> which is kind of a really bad combination. Yes. But, uh, there's a very common like sci-fi trope uh, around nanomachines that are programmed to deconstruct organic material. It's one of the doomsday theories that is fairly popular, uh, the gray goo doomsday theory. And this struck me as a variant of it. The gray goo theory is nanomachines could essentially act like a virus that would deconstruct organic material. You couldn't see them. You couldn't stop them. You couldn't fight against them. And they just reduce everything to gray goo. I don't know how they know that organic material. If it's deconstructed by nanomachines turns gray, but whatever, that's the idea. And this was something like that, where there were these robots that were, that got off the grid and started destroying biomass and, yeah, I don't. I, yeah, I don't think there. There's actually any nano machines. No, 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 no. These are yeah, right. much bigger war machines. Uh, some right. of them are quite huge, in fact. Yeah, but you start to see like pictures of you know the, an effort to fight against them, not really to defeat them, but just kind of delay the inevitable so that they can go through this plan called <gasps> Zero Dawn. Uh, I yeah, that will basically um, restart life on the planet after uh, you know the inevitable end of all organic matter and collapse of the ecosystem and like the I believe the collapse of like um, 
the atmosphere essentially. Yeah, they go into some detail about this, which I really I really liked because they talk about how like these machines weren't just destroying. Like I think there's a part where they talk about some eyewitnesses saw one of the machines refueling by destroying a pod of dolphins, and that <laughs> became a thing. Uh, yeah. That one strikes out to me. But they would destroy like pretty much any organic material they could to fuel themselves. And it eventually led the entire biosphere to collapse, and then certain environmental feedback loops were starting to fall apart. And before the war with the machines was even lost, uh, the scientists were like, this is over. Like, you can't repair yeah. what's been done. You have to, yeah. like, restart. And what these machines they created for were essentially to replicate the organic life that had been lost to fulfill the role of, like, herbivores and predators to essentially rebuild the entire uh, ecosystem. Yep. And and so you get a start to get a picture of like the head scientists who uh, put this project together, and about how there's like a whole team of people working on this, and essentially, hey, they were all sterilized so that everyone would die out, and you know this, the Earth would basically be reborn, controlled by some AIs, and you know, including like giving education to you know the newly, I want to say, grown people. And, you know, restarting society with all our knowledge intact and everything, which, you know, obviously, as you can tell, based on what we've said about this game, something went wrong with this whole project. <laughs> because um, well, if it had all gone to plan, then uh, there would the civilization would be much more advanced. So it quickly becomes apparent that all is not all did not go according to plan. Yeah, and um, I mean, so I think part of that is also as you um, explore the world, every pretty much any time you um, happen upon one of the old world installations, you know, like an abandoned bunker or um, a military, uh, I don't know, a military base or a hangar or um, a building where the uh, the refugees stayed or they conducted experiments or anything like that from the past, and you uncover like what's happening. Uh, this picture starts getting put together of the. Uh, the AI that the um, the uh, previous civilization had create, or, or more specifically, I think it was um, the the woman that Aloy resembles. So that's um, Dr. Sobek, and I think it was her maybe that um, uh, created an AI to kind of uh, run the uh, the machines, the the net. What is it? The, the nano machines, um, like to run the the robots that are repopulating. Um, like what the uh, the animal life, yeah, um, and how she kind of loses control of it as it goes. Like you, you if you're if if you're willing to follow it along, uh, it piecemeals together in 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 pretty good detail. Like how it all goes awry. Um, yeah, that there's various uh, subsystems that the AI has to handle different aspects of this yeah. whole large plan and. Um, and it's, it's and, other AIs essentially, mm -hmm. and how I, and they and all or some of them kind of run amok, and it's and one of them ends up being the the main what antagonist of the game because we haven't right. really talked about like well you mentioned like the you know what everybody calls the robot dinosaurs which is you know visually it's what makes the game unique like right off the bat like this is the this is how people knew I want to play the game with the the robot dinosaurs yeah. Um, which is, you know, various like pretty, um, pretty interestingly designed uh, robot animals, essentially. But some of them are 
you know, so large in scale um, that they they may as well be considered dinosaurs. And they all, and these are the creatures that had like other purposes. Like some of them were, you know, I'm assuming they're to like kind of terraform the land or or uh, more or less graze in order to like what regenerate like the bioorganic matter or whatever it was. They they each had were designed for a certain purpose, but um, but at, at this point, some of them are um corrupted, and eventually right. you get behind what's What's causing the corruption? Because um, these machines weren't designed to just, you know, continue to just kill um, indiscriminately. And what's causing the corruption is one of the um, the AI's what like subsystems named I think Hades. I think they're all named after um, what uh, Greek gods. Or... Yeah, I think I think the main one that was, was Gaia or something. The the main AI, yeah. Yeah. The Mother Earth, right? Yeah. And so Hades. Uh... Uh, becomes the like the main antagonist, and so this it's an AI that's literally um, bent on on having the um, the machines take over and eliminate like the the life that remains. Yes. Uh, so one of the things which is kind of disturbing, you find out, is that hey, some of those old machines are probably buried under the earth, not really dead. You know, the organic eating machines. Um, yeah. I mean, the only way to defeat them was to let them essentially starve themselves and power down. Yeah. So, good thing they didn't have reboot contingencies. <laughs> so, yeah, you eventually figure out that this thing's plan is to activate some kind of pillar that will do something to activate a bunch of these robots or something. Yeah, something like send like out, like, a revival signal to activate yeah. the dormant creatures that are still, like, the, the really big ones that you've, done, yeah. that you've not seen yet. Uh, so... You eventually go into some other ruins to try and you get... I forget what that gets called. You get something that could stop this AI, essentially. And along the way, you kind of figure out what exactly went wrong with the whole Zero Dawn project. Uh, so the guy that had the brilliant idea to make these uh, organic-eating, self-replicating robots to begin with didn't like the idea of giving this new... Uh, this new uh, generation of humanity its probably not the right term, but giving basically the new humanity knowledge and really didn't want to do it. And eventually, um, I forget, does he intentionally kill um, what's-her-name or is it accidental? I forget what exactly happens to her. That I can't help with. I don't remember that, did, that he killed Maybe he anybody. didn't kill her, but... Okay. I don't believe he yeah, did because no, it's right. He didn't kill her. It's but alluded he... to that at the very like the in the op, in the like post credit scenes or whatever. There's you know maybe we'll get to that later, but there's like an allusion to what happened to her. There was That's something right. that happened right. where she had to leave the vault they were in to because it wasn't properly sealed and it was like That's something right. inside could be picked up by the by the machines. So she had to leave to make sure it was sealed. That's right. I'm then, sorry. What, yeah. what he actually did was destroy all the knowledge, like the. The systems that were going to teach the the new humans knowledge, essentially. He destroyed all that. And, like, destroyed all the backups. Just, like, completely wiped it out. And I did think he killed some people, too. He, he, I, yeah, there I, was, like, a... There was, there was a... Um, at some point, you come across, like, a... Kind of, like, a... Like, where the executives are... Like, the remains of whatever executives were sitting there are still, like, in the in the chairs. It's either their remains or holograms of them. Yeah, that's right. Like that. I think he... Okay, so I think what I'm remembering, this this happened after she died, that he killed the rest of them. Or something along those lines. But yeah, so... And then it all culminates in 
literally the um the various like npcs that you've met throughout the the game um and the whole society in oh gosh uh, in meridian in the in the capital city um fighting like this a, a large scale epic battle based literally for survival as um as uh, hades tries well tries or i think he kind of uh, doesn't he halfway succeed in in um like resurrecting some of the like the the kill machines that he's yeah. trying to wipe humanity out with and it's just this large scale battle of human versus machine in the end and it's, everybody kind of participates in it it's one of the craziest battles i think i've ever seen in a game because you basically have to fight every single machine you've fought in the game previously like nearly non-stop and just like this constant onslaught it is crazy so there's uh, another um subplot that that also ends right before the final or really part of the final battle which is um one of the um cities that you visit over the course of the game is kind of like for lack of a better term it's like the religious center and um there's a cult that has kind of risen up and I, I, now I forget what what we called them earlier we gave the name um and this eclipse. the eclipse and this was it turns out this was the group I, I believe that also attacked the Nora village at the beginning yep. of the game because they were after um like the vault of technology that was there so all along, this kind of you know these confrontations with the, uh, the the eclipse cult continue here and there, and that's that's getting built up at the same time as the the main plot of the machines and you know what happened in the past. And um, the leader of the eclipse kind of um, so he he really seems like he's the the main antagonist for most of the game. You do run into him, and he's you know he's he's a typical like maniacal bad guy. And you do have a showdown with him as part of the final battle. But then once that's over, once you um, emerge victorious against him, that's when... And it, it, it feels like in most other games, well, the game is over. You know, I've, I've defeated yeah. the one that's, that's kind of been uh, my objective all along. And that's literally when all hell just breaks loose. And so, um, you know, the, the, the final battle... Even the final battle is... Like, the way it's planned out, it's just really... Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, so you fight all those robots and eventually succeed and use the artifact you got to stop the AI and you think kill the AI. And I think you have some sort of end conversation with Sobek and. Silence? Silence. Why the hell did I. I don't know what the hell I'm thinking. Silence and. The mysterious stranger? Yes. Every game has to have one. And then Aloy goes and finds a spot where, what's her name? Who I can not remember her name. Thank you. (laughs) Yes. Where she finds out where she dies because, oh, spoilers, she is a clone of her. And that's what made her so special the whole time. Yeah. And I think you do that. You figured that out a little bit earlier on. Yeah. 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 Which explains why. She's always like um, why she had access to these locations that no yeah. other human ever has since since like the fall of humanity. Nobody's ever been able to get into them because it scans her DNA and it deems her a match. It deems her, uh, you know, uh, gives her access to it. Yeah. But what's more interesting than that, I think, is that it's not just that she's a clone of that. It's that she's a clone created by Gaia. Essentially, I think this Gaia basically was mourning her loss and was trying to get her back 
So was it like a purpose as a purpose purposeful step in order to maybe save humanity or I don't think so. No. She just wanted her like I, rem- I remember her own the back. I remember that yeah, I remember there were a lot of scenes of like Sobek interacting with Gaia and like Gaia essentially showing emotion and which were which is pretty interesting. And I think emotion is kind of the key word. Like there there are some criticisms that I have about the game. Um you know, I kind of alluded to there's a lot of um, side quests and they're, uh, some of them kind of spin their own little mini stories and occasionally they're interesting. Um, for the most part, they kind of, they, they pale to me in, com- in comparison to the main story. So, Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, first, 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 I want to hear your opinions. We talked about the main story. What's your opinions about the quality of the main story itself? Yeah, so I mean, I think that's what I was getting at because oh, there's um, one, there's one last part of about the main story, mm-hmm. uh, the after credit stinger. Uh, Silence <laughs> t- takes the supposedly dead AI you defeated, who is not dead, and brings him along with him, assumingly to es- extract knowledge out of him. And I'm also assuming that he is being set up as the antagonist for future games yeah so he's all along he's known it all and he's um he's had you know this has been his ultimate um aim to to get his not to have her defeat him but to get his hands on him himself yeah and we don't so there are um it's a it's it's further alluded to that there are other lands besides the one that the game takes place in um several characters talk about it there um there are different uh, i guess uh you know, races of people living living elsewhere, and I, I believe Silence is from one of those like other faraway far lands. They they have certain names I can't remember, like the Eternal Sands or something like that. Um, and so he's an outcast from a from a different land, and whatever whatever he know, like he never shares more than he wants you to know. It just nope. <laughs> um, yeah, so it's so heavily implied the the sequel, maybe. I mean, I would I would hope so. So. I hope so because he is set up as an awesome villain. <laughs> I, yeah, I was really impressed with that. No, uh, he ending. just wants to work with you. You know, yeah, you got, sure. You got, you got mutual goals and stuff, and so, so yeah. No, I really enjoyed the story um, here, and we'll talk about other aspects of the game in a a few moments here but the the story was was pretty cool i'm not gonna say it's the most awesome story in the entire world one of the things i really enjoyed but it was really good um but one of the things i really enjoyed as you guys were i, I want to let y'all talk without a whole lot of interruption but for me one of the things that you, you guys were talking about like the first few hours where it's going through her growing up and then her first ventures and the stuff before she really starts setting out um and she she uh I really think um I really liked her attitude. Like she she while she was the outcast, she she did put up with sass. She stood up for herself. She mm-hmm. was yeah and and that plays out later on as well, but it really comes to the front in the first few hours. Uh and I thought that was that really established a good foundation for who she was. So later on in the story where that doesn't quite come out as much, but the foundation was already laid down, so uh, I thought that was pretty cool. Um, you know, as it go- kind of goes on, I think, yet, like you guys pointed out with with Silence or whatever his name was, there's some cool twists and turns in there. It was it was pretty good, and I don't remember a lot of stories, as most people who listen to this podcast know. But I I thought it was pretty. The main quest was, or the main yeah, the main story was pretty well done. Yeah, for for me, it was just a nice change to have a post post 
post-apocalyptic game that didn't involve nukes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, that, that was pretty cool. Now, yeah. there, there were side quests. <laughs> were I there, did not do any of them. I will, so I I will speak admit, to them. I will oh, admit, like, I did a few. I mostly focused on those that clearly gave me better weapons or skill points or whatever. But a lot of the other ones, I just didn't get a great initial impression off of. And mm. I'm going to... I have a bigger thought process here of why I didn't play those too, so I can't just say it was the quality of the quest. Did 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 did, uh, did Pascal? Did you play a lot of the yeah, side I, quests because um, you seem to have an opinion about it? I platinumed it, um, so I, I did oh, God everything. Bless your heart. And um, yeah, the, the where it falls. So the reason I did one of the reasons was um, I just so I mean you call the story you know what you said really good. I would go so far as to call it amazing. For me, it really resonated. So I wanted, to, I, I really did want to see everything so I could get every piece of uh, backstory. I was really captivated by the whole, like, what happened in the past, what made the world the way that it is now. So that was kind of the, um, that, was, that was my motivation for trying to do everything I could. Um, the way it stumbles is that there are quite a few side quests along the lines of clear out an enemy camp of, you know, raiders or whatever, and you're going to do that multiple times um i forget what some of the other ones are but there's like the ones the the quests that are like combat oriented there's quite a bit of like repetitive stuff not that the combat's bad but it isn't um it wasn't for me what the game was really um uh, what the most important part about the game for me well especially for me the combat against humans was Mm. eh. comments combat against the machines can be pretty intense and dynamic because you know you have to switch between different weapons and ammo and stuff. I want to. I definitely want to talk more about combat in a minute, but but, sure. you know, but at the moment I want to stay focused on side quests. But I will. Okay. I will chip it and say I have a, a different view on combat than you guys. But I will absolutely agree with the sentiment that combat against humans not nearly as fun. And when half no. of the side quests are go clear out the enemy camp of humans, it was an automatic turnoff right from the get go. And I. This is where, yeah, it really. This is where it shows that, in my opinion, it was they, uh, they had a, a big world, and now we need to fill it with something. Yeah, um, it's a little bit of that, you know. And it's a lot of games, a lot of open world games. At some point, have to decide what are we going to fill it up with, and it can get repetitive. I mean, um, you know, Spider Man did it was the same way. As fun as the combat can be, um, if you repeat it over and over again, it. You know, it kind of loses its luster a little bit, but that. Right. So I feel like that might be for me the only like stumble was kind of the the side quest of that ilk. I had to write a guide for the game, so I literally did everything that there was to do on the map. And uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of content, and I mean I'm not going to get into the gameplay because I have my own thoughts about what it's like to fight humans and robots, and I'm pretty sure we are all going to agree on it, but. There was a lot of time and space wasting, and there were a few okay quests that expanded the lore and went into the backstory on some characters, but there was no way to tell what you were really getting into when you went to some of the quests, and a lot of them were just throwaway. And I have to compare, like, every open-world game to The Witcher 3 now. Whereas, (laughs) like, The Witcher 3, you would go into a quest that seemed like some little silly podunk thing, like an old lady's locked out of her house because some guy broke in and she wants her pan back. And it turns into this, like, interesting little thing that kind of 
builds up a story of espionage and and this war torn country, and you didn't really have any content like that in Horizon. Like you wanted to do the side quests, or at least I did, because there'd sometimes be something decent, but a lot of it was just filler, and it yeah. wasn't nearly well written enough to really compel you to go chase down every map marker. Yeah. Well, I wonder if we just gotten to the point where a lot of games are becoming just quote-unquote open world just to check that checkbox. I mean... I, you know, it, it's it's a... You know, I like that it's quote-unquote an open world because it's, you know, a pretty cool and interesting world to wander around, but... Um, yeah, it's kind of like I don't know. damned if you do, damned if you don't. I right. I support that this one should have been open world because I, I feel like the world was fascinating. But then you do run into the now let's fill it with stuff. Right. You do need a dedicated team just you know only working on the side quests. I think at that point, like not just the side quests, but the writing. Like right, right. The gameplay in Horizon was really, really good. So just going to some of the map markers where you had to clear stuff out as long as it wasn't humans was fine. Um, there could have been little area stories for each of these, and there usually wasn't. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to forgive that because the world was so well built. But again, I mean, you, you compare it to The Witcher 3 where there were so many little stories, some of them being told, and even Fallout 4 to some extent. Like, nobody is better at Bethesda at telling a story by just how they pose skeletons. Sure. And some of that interesting stuff really could have helped Horizon a lot. No, and I, I think I'd give them a slight pass just because, hey, this is this is a studio that was working on boring first-person shooters for a while, and you know this is a new it's a new IP, so I'm not sure they necessarily had the budget necessary to right. write a bazillion cool side quests. Yeah, I mean, I as far as open worlds in general go, I think that the genre. Well, one, I don't think it's really that much of a genre. I think it's just a function of technology where you don't... You can have RAM just buffering so much content, you don't need to, like, lock it out based on level or have corridors anymore. So I think it's mostly... The hardware has allowed this style of game design, and it's kind of a sensible way that games have evolved based sure, on the technology sure. they have. Um, so it's I, I don't view it as a failure of uh, game design and of open-world game design specifically as much as just sometimes you just can't get enough resources or you don't have enough talent to populate right. every square inch the way it maybe should be. And I might sound overly harsh, like if I had to rate the open world quality of Horizon, well, probably 6 out of 10. There were, you have plenty of excuses not to do anything that you know you're not going to get a permanent reward for, skill right. boost or whatever. But there was also some good stuff there. It wasn't like yeah. Final Fantasy XV where it was all a waste of time. <laughs> so just to clarify and rank things a bit. <laughs> Final Fantasy XV. So let's move on because there's so much else to talk about and, and our time is limited. Uh, let's move on uh, to the gameplay. So I'll talk a little bit about this uh, since I haven't monologued in a while. And it's not really an RPG backtrack unless I monologue for a bit. <laughs> I I... Well, so in the game, the main weapon here is her is her bow. Uh, later on, Aloy picks up a slinger, and uh, she does have like this melee weapon that you really don't want to use too too often, unless you're just taking over an enemy machine. Uh, because you do open up eventually the ability to take over some of the the uh, robot monster, so you can use them as mounts or guardians, which comes in darn handy. <laughs> Sometimes it's great, but. 
the main weapon is is a bow and 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 uh, and using that to shoot at monsters. I, I you know it, it's funny. I really enjoyed the combat. I you know and for me it, it kind it, the story is really good. The combat just a little bit a little bit better. You know for me personally, uh, it just felt so smooth. Uh, and and I really enjoyed the fact that because she's kind of a hunter and the whole theme of the game is they're all tribal, even though they're surrounded by these very high-tech robot monsters, the people are all wearing tribal colors and they look like they're from Aztec times. And so it makes sense thematically that when she goes out, even though it's a high-tech bow, she's fighting with a bow. And you're rewarded for really thinking through the fights before you start to engage in them. She has a variety of traps uh, and, and and things that she can use at her disposal. There's also a stealth mechanic, which admittedly, not being a fan of stealth, I did enjoy very much. And in fact, one of the very early missions has you going into this very populated camp full of those wonderful, boring humans that we just hate to fight. <laughs> and it really emphasizes a stealth mechanic. And I must have died like five times. Because I don't like stealth. And that particular situation was set up really hard. Uh, If you made one mistake, suddenly alarms were going off and they were all over you. And and I forget exactly how I eventually got past that. And I remember feeling like if this is the way the rest of this game is going to be, I'm going to hate it. If I could jump in for a second, I would say the stealth when you're like trying to sneak past the machines is a lot more engaging. Yeah. Yeah. Stealth with the humans. Yeah. Yeah, and then they make that one of the early ways, like, this is how stealth works, which against humans, as you point out, like, it's not quite as smooth. And the, the m- machines, usually you can see exactly where they're looking, and they have behavioral patterns that are uh, a little bit complex, but you can learn them. And so you can stealth around their, their patterns and stuff, whereas the humans are just, I don't know how to describe it, they're just so yeah, lame compared to the, to the, to the monsters. But I hated I hated that early fight, and I sincerely doubted I was going to enjoy the rest of the game. I couldn't believe it was getting such great scores. <laughs> but once I got through that, I started fighting normal monsters. I didn't use stealth a whole lot anyways. I'm just not a stealth person. But I do like to plan this. I like a particular series of games called Monster Hunter. And 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 and, and it was really cool thinking about what enemies are going to fight. You can you can during the combat you can scan them or before when you're scouting them out you can scan them figure out what their weaknesses are if you never fought them before and use that to help plan your attack because there are also different elemental uh, effects that can be uh, applied. And uh, if you use fire, for example, uh, it can cause the enemy to burn and take damage over time or electricity can stun them or freezing or whatnot. And so some of the tougher fights I would fight and maybe get my rear end handed to me, I would just rethink it through. There's one particular fight where you have to go down into this. I, I forget what it is. It's, it's like a big... Uh, it's not exactly an arena, but it's like an excavation that's going on that digs into the earth. So when you go down into it, you're basically walking into an arena. You know you're going to get attacked. And sure enough, you get attacked, and it's really powerful forces. And I would get my ass handed to me a couple of times. So I slept on it, came back, and said, you know, and thought to myself, okay, I know where they're going to kind of spring this on me, so I'm going to use that knowledge to help me out a little bit. And I'm going to go ahead and take over – I forget what I took over – a couple of monsters – or robot, whatever they were, the the ones that are just, they, they aren't very offensive, but they can take a lot of damage. And I used them as meat shields, and it was great. <laughs> and I totally kicked out, along with the traps I lay down, as on my way down. And then as I started getting overwhelmed by the waves, I would retreat behind my meat shields and the traps that I had laid down. 
And it was, it, it just felt so <laughs> satisfying. Uh, something that I only get really in playing certain games like Monster Hunter, uh, where I, I really felt like planning things out and thinking ahead really paid off. But I also like the, the real-time combat. Even when I was kind of over my head, I'd run around, shoot the bow. I would slow it down to re, regain my ammunition. At the same time, I was playing uh, Zelda Breath of the Wild. And I'm one of those people, if you listen to enough backtracks, you know I'm not the biggest fan of Breath of the Wild, <sighs> as Abs knows. One of the things I point out is that in Horizon Zero Dawn, don't do it during the combat. I do can it. slow it down and 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 create the ammunition I need. Swap out my weapon, but it's more like that slow motion from the Matrix, and it kind of keeps you engaged in the action. All the menus are right there, and it's popped up. In or in Zelda, I was having a rough time of it because while that technically exists, it's not nearly as intuitive. It's not I the radio dial and stuff. You got to press shoulder buttons to go through your inventory, um, or you basically—I mean, it's so clunky that I just end up pausing out because you can pause out just of Zelda. Rolling you my want. eyes over here. Yeah. So it's my turn to talk. I let you talk. Okay. So okay. You know? <laughs> I all I can tell you is, hey, it's highly subjective. Everyone's got their. Is there thing. any weapon durability? Why no? That's yeah. a great question, Mister Miki. In Horizon, I have no idea come. where it came from. And <laughs> it lets you just focus on winning instead of managing your weapons. Uh, That's a specific yeah. question. I know, right? No, I mean Horizon Zero Dawn would have would, would, you know would have ammunition instead of durability, which is a little more predictable because you can see the fact you're running out of arrows and and just quickly swap on a fly to a different arrow set. You can also see if you're running out of weapons. Fly. Well, yeah, but after they break on you all of a sudden, uh, you know, of course, they will tell you it's about to break like two swings beforehand. So I'll give it that much. But it just yeah, it just for me personally, everyone's got their cup of tea. The, the combat in Horizon Zero Dawn just felt much smoother and more satisfying. It's uh, also required, whereas in Breath of the Wild, it's mostly not required. Just throwing that out there. I loved it. I, I did. Very you know, different I didn't game. Even, I didn't even care whether it was required or not. It was just – it was super fun because I just really enjoyed it. So for me, I, I felt like the combat was really, really super good. I, you know, I often criticize – I often criticize uh, these action RPGs and then you add an open world on top of that, that moniker. And as you guys kind of pointed out, the, the open world aspect of it, it fell a little flat at times. I would certainly say that if we're comparing it with Zelda. I think Zelda does that better. But – um, I, you know, I've often criticized these type of games because they try to do too much at once and they never do everything well. And in fact, they're lucky if they just do one thing well. But I feel like Horizon Zero Dawn did both the game, both the gameplay and the story and the writing and the graphics really, really well. Um, just really enjoyed it um, from that perspective. So, what, what now, Mike? What would you like to say about the combat? No, it was great. It's very good. Uh, it fit its game very well, just like the combat in Breath of the Wild fits its game very well. Does anybody else have any thoughts about the combat before we move on to other elements? Uh, yeah, I mean, I compare Horizon Zero Dawn, actually, to something like Borderlands, but that's mostly because I'm very fond of using the different elemental weapons in the Borderlands games. And if you like do a direct comparison between the two, I think it's easy to say that Horizon Zero Dawn really nailed it out of the park when it comes to utilizing the right elements and also rewarding you for accuracy and planning ahead and stealth. And you have all kinds of gameplay mechanics at your disposal. And if you use them right, the difference between just stumbling in blindly was night and day, which is the kind of reward you want for that sort of game. And very few games nail like the action and the tactics at the same time. 
And I mean, you had, if I remember correctly, just to add on to what uh, to what you said earlier, like you have blast arrows that can knock different parts of enemies off, like that T Rex yes. with a missile launcher. Hey, knock so those good. things off so it can't oh, shoot you with missile arrows. Lovely, fantastic. The fire arrows you could shoot uh, various like explosive containers on enemies, and like it's good for setting them on fire. Some enemies you could set on fire, some you could overheat, some you could just deal huge chunks of damage to by uh, targeting their little explosive canisters. Yeah. All the good game, stuff. The game really rewards you for scanning the different machines yes. and learning their weak points. And learning their behaviors. I think there were even, like, I don't know what the element is called, but there was some sort of, like, charm or hack element, I think. And I remember using something like that, because there are some optional areas where you'd have, like, two of those T-Rex dinosaurs in the same area, and you could just shoot one with that element, and... Yeah, I believe, um, I believe that's an ability you gain while exploring certain, um, like, machine temples and, um... And like uh, either accessing or downloading like the main core within like the um, uh, the robot core in the middle of the the temple, and then it gives you um, the knowledge or it gives Aloy the knowledge to be able to override certain beasts. And by like by game's end, you've unlocked quite a few of them that you can then instead of battling, like turn to your side. Some of them I think maybe just briefly, um, and some of them might be permanent. I'm not quite sure. Like until they die. Yeah. Yeah. Um... And I was skeptical of the RPG credentials of this game going in, but at some point I was buying, like, all, like, different versions of the same top-tier bow and enhancing them so they'd be really good at inflicting a specific element. And I'd have, like, one bow that was dedicated towards inflicting fire damage and had a bunch of fire damage buffs, and one for another element, and one for blast, and you'd have a whole arsenal, and you just use the correct bow and the correct ammunition, and man, was it fun. It was really, really good, so... Yeah, I'll, I'll give it credit for that. Excellent, top-notch gameplay. Right up there with, like, near Automata. It's just some of the best action RPGs mm. of this generation. And when you're being when your action is being compared to a Platinum game, you've done good. Very good. Yeah. You know, for, for and, and, and for me, you know, everyone knows how much I love Monster Hunter. Um, I, I think Monster Hunter is so awesome because it doesn't have a great story <laughs> or anything else, but it focuses on one thing. And, 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 and every iteration of the game has improved on it. So now you have, with Monster Hunter World, you have this very fine hunting, you know, combat, smooth combat experience with 14 different weapons that all have all these different deaths to it. Her, it's hard for a new game to come to the table and do that. And I play a lot of knockoffs and none of them come close. But Horizon Zero Dawn does a really great job because it just focuses basically on the range combat, you know, just one weapon, but really gets into it with the different elements and, you know, different shoot also like the, 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 the explosion grenades or whatever, the slinger, the slinger and some other things, the, yeah. the repeater, uh, you have different, yeah, different types of weapons that also have different types of ammunition, uh, that can play into your strategy of how you're going to take on a particular monster. And I love how you just mentioned, like, if you focused on like a particular monster had rocket launchers and you knocked off that weapon, you know, that would take away one of his offensive options, very similar to Monster Hunter World. And But what's really cool about this one is then you can go run up and pick up his rocket launcher yeah, 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 yeah. and use it against him. And, and like some of the awesome. Yeah. Some of the robots would have, like, scanners for you, too, so you really couldn't stealth them unless you knocked off that like their little like satellite dish. Yeah. Yeah, and 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 then you could use those parts. Sometimes that you would knock off, you would get something, for, some crafting material from it. Kind of remind you of Monster Hunter, you know. So well, 
is really cool. And that's kind of that's part of like what I was going to add to that too is is that the enemy design not only in, um, using all the tools in your arsenal, but at times even requires uh, that you make f- um, take full advantage of the versatility that the uh, the game systems give you. And and to me, I, I feel like stealth is not so much like um, just a game mechanic, but it's it's even another tool in the combat arsenal. Mm. You know, like. Um, that, that's a really good way to put it. Yeah, you can build that into your actual fighting. So it's not not just not not so much a way to get around battles, although I, you probably can in some cases. But it's just part of the battle in some in some instances. But so it, it just encourages so much um, experimentation and uh, this. And even the enemy designs have well, you guys have already talked about it, but there's a lot of versatility built into the the enemies, not just um, Aloy's like uh, weaponry. Um, and then we haven't mentioned, but there's I feel like there's a good amount of um, almost, I guess, like you know, platforming kind of um, more along the lines of a um, uh, what's what's that series with Nathan Drake, like, like an Uncharted, Uncharted. Uh, quite a bit of climbing and um, things like that, like open world platforming. I don't know what else to call it. Uh, yeah, I kind of forgot there's, that was there. <laughs> there's one move she does, like when you're jumping off a ledge, she will jump off it completely unsupported and then like whip around and throw her grappling hook back at it and I know this is like the pettiest yeah. gripe ever but oh. like you have to be an utter imbecile if that's the way you're going to get down from a height and she didn't wear any gloves so I'm just sitting here looking at this rope she's using rope burn. to arrest her fall and I'm just like none of this would work none of it would it's just no, it's totally realistic she just has really <laughs> tough hands she's got this but the, it's a game where you're fighting, like, fire arrows at robot T-Rexes and Thunderbirds, so I, I'm not going to die on this hill. I just That's not how you scale down a wall. And I will say, every time you would hack one of those uh, walking giraffe things, sorry, I don't know the technical name anymore. Tall neck. Um, tall neck, there you go. And you would she would jump uh, down off their giant disc head and swing around. It was so cinematic and awesome. I, I stopped yeah. caring about anything else at that point. <laughs> no, I absolutely agree. I really love yeah. figuring though. I'm not a fan of puzzles, but some of those were a little puzzly, but I really enjoyed figuring it out and getting to the top of those and getting that cinematic uh, view after you hack them. It was speaking very satisfying. Of, speaking of which, I don't think we've mentioned how gorgeous this game is. Well, <laughs> well we oh, haven't got yeah, to I'm graphics yet, but is there anything okay, on okay. com last before we move on? Is there anything else on combat before we move forward? We all good. think it was pretty good. It's so good. good. Okay, graphics. OMG. OM quadruple G. Just absolutely gorgeous. I'm a PC gamer, and my PC is definitely more powerful than my PlayStation 4, but you wouldn't know it by how good this game looks. It was the first course, game yeah. that made me wish I had HDR in a PlayStation Pro. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> I think as far as the Uncanny Valley, it's probably even even still to today one of the games that bridges it the most narrowly. Yeah. And Aloy, I mean, so, so who was it? Phil was already talking about her character, but um, you know, he, her visual design is 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 just really good too. And maybe this will—I don't know if this will usually come up anyway later, but I just wanted to mention in case it doesn't. Um, her voice actress to me is like a big part of why she worked as a character so well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, graphics and sound, we usually talk about it together. But yeah, just, just top-notch work here. Uh, just, just, I, I, the way the, the detail, the way the grass or the weed or whatever it is sways, you know, with the wind, the detail on the, the 
the robots, uh, the way the lighting works. They all have like cameras with lights on them, and when they stare at you, this is the, the game has the ability. You can do a basically a screenshot. But it's like a camera mode. You can pause it, and you can you can then adjust the camera at whatever angle you want. You can change the time of day to whatever you want. Put the logo on there. I did. I basically made my own wallpapers for my computer out of <laughs> yep, this game. Same. And Same. people have come to my office because I have rotating wallpapers, a lot of fantasy art and a lot of gay video game art uh, on my computer. And I'll get questions sometimes and people will see Hori- one of the mini Horizon Zero Dawn screen caps that I did. And they're like, wow, that's so that's so beautiful. Yeah. And, and, and people actually mistake it for some CGI stuff. And it's like, no, that's in game. That was a screenshot I took while I was in the city. It was so breathtaking. And I made sure I got the lighting just right. And, and again, it was just so cool. You could set the, the time of day. And it's really neat, too, because the detail here. The the, the enemy robot monsters that, ro- that are basically after animals. I, there's this one in particular with the Thunderbird. And he's got the, the blue light. You know, it's during the day. He's got his blue lights on me, whatever have you. I paused it, put the sun behind him, did one picture. But then I fast I changed it to nighttime. And you can you can pick any time during the day, by the way. So you can make sure that the moon or the sun are in the exact right position you want them in. And and during the night, they have different colored lights and different lighting setups. That's insane. Like, the level of detail was just so cool. There's like, an area. I'm sorry, were you done? No, go ahead. I was trying to cut in on the same topic before you switched, but I didn't want to um, stop you mid-thought. Yeah, go though. ahead. Go ahead. There's an area somewhere on the map. Don't remember where. It kind of resembles. Oh, so we didn't. You know what? We didn't even mention this, but um, the game takes place. You're gonna have to remind me. I want to say it's like maybe Montana or someplace, but Colorado, it takes place in an actual Colorado. Like it, it actually has um, physical a, a few, not too many. I think landmarks that are recognizable. Hmm. Yeah, there's like I'm remembering that right. I think there's an Air Force Academy, and that kind of gives the game away where it is. The, um, I want to say it's around the, Denver, but I it's been a the while. The DLC has some some of that too. But so there's an area somewhere that kind of to like to me resembles something you might see in um, like near the the Grand Canyon. Like it's these um it's a it's a large uh, lake, a, like deep blue lake, and um, it's just surrounded by these tall like redstone um, stone walls or mountain structures. I um. That's the best way I can describe it. And there's some. So this game was the was really the only game I've ever played where I actually made use of the the photo editor that's in there and took several like screenshots of different places. And even even to now, it, there's I don't think there's any game that takes up more hard drive space because I have a couple of video clips that I purposely kept of just um, like slowly panning the camera around like a 360 degree circle because it was just. Too too beautiful to delete. To be honest, it was uh, kind of a kind of a joy to do media for this game when I was writing the guide for it. Because some games are pretty ugly, and you're kind of just taking reference images to show what's going on. But sometimes for Horizon, you'd be yeah, you know, be scrolling through the the video on the Elgato I have, and you just stop and be like, you know, I don't really have a use for this screenshot right here, but I'm gonna put it just like as a piece at the end of the page, just because sometimes it's nice to have something pretty to look at. And it's always nice when you can have that in a guide because it really helps to make the guide look prettier. I think um, the moment that I knew that this game had hooked me was during the very um, first segment where you play as Aloy in her um, like six or seven-year-old phase when she's a little child. So we talked about it earlier when she falls into the abandoned um, like 
science bunker where she finds her uh, her gadget that she uses for the rest of the game. So when you fall in there, um, the way she runs around and then um, like the way she climbs up a staircase, she does it and it's animated in a way that a little do it. Like she kind of runs in in a kind of like an like an awkward uh, animation. And when she goes up the stairs, she uses her hands to kind of um, she almost like climbs up on all fours because she's so small that she you know kind of crawls up the stairs more than uh, more than just actually like just walking up. And it's little touches like so like I knew right from that very beginning like I've never seen I can't remember like ever seeing a game like pay attention to things like that and I loved it. You know, it helps if I'm not on mute. Um, that was a log monologue while I was on mute. Um, what did you all think about the sound and the voice acting? It was awesome. Yeah. Well, I already mentioned um, for Aloy specifically, it's um, Ashley Birch is the voice actress, and I think um, maybe with a different voice actress, it, it would have diminished it just a little bit. I think, I think Aloy's voice acting is just incredible. I was annoyed by how Aloy would constantly mumble things to herself throughout the game. Maybe it's when you're playing it for 60 hours for a guide that just starts to wear on you, whereas if you're playing normally, it wouldn't. But yeah, at some point, I turned the uh, voice volume off for general gameplay. I don't remember anything standing out as, as negative um, as far as voice acting. I think I think it was probably good across the board. I don't remember specific examples other than Aloy. Uh, I love that they got Lance Reddick to do Silence. Silence. He is and perfect he like an, for that character. Yes. He is also the character model, so it's yes. very unmistakable who that is. <laughs> yes, but if you've ever seen him in TV or uh-huh. seen, heard him in other games, he's just perfect for that kind of character. So Very true. Just, Perfect casting. Now, um, the all the different um, robot creatures, as far as like sound design, are also top notch. Mm. You know, it, it's very uh, the it just adds to the combat being very tactile. Like a lot of uh, metal clanking and all the the different like servos and motors and explosions and everything when you're fighting a, a like a, a towering beast made of metal um, mm. is so satisfying. Mm. Just adding back onto the combat uh, conversation. Yeah, I don't. Um, I think there. I, I hate to. Oops, there I go talking while I'm on mute again. I, you <laughs> know, no, that, that's a great point, and and I, I, I go back to the combat for just a minute because I hate to, to to not talk about one of the most compelling parts of the combat. Uh, as we often say with stories like Batman, the story is good because the villains are so good, right? The, the Horizon Zero Dawn is so awesome because very similar to Monster Hunter, the monsters are so good. Mm-hmm. We talked about how bland the humans are. We mentioned that the monsters are good, but we didn't really go into how they're good. Each one of them has different behavioral patterns, very similar to Monster Hunter, but each one of them acts and reacts the way you would pretty much expect the, the monster or the, the animal they represent. Like if you're hunting an herbivore or oxen or whatever have you, they may charge you and then they'll pretty much run away and try to keep their distance. Whereas if you start shooting at uh, uh, the, 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 the hunter cat, he will suddenly stealth and you won't be able to see him as he hides in the <laughs> shadows before you, the hunter becomes the prey because he starts stalking you. Uh, it was really cool, and just when I started to get bored of, of the monsters I had, you know, run into at that point, 
then they started combining you know suddenly you're fighting a thunderbird with uh with a couple of these cat things or whatever have you and life becomes interesting again as you're trying to deal with these different variables interacting with you so i thought as long as i wasn't just fighting camps full of boring ass humans i really enjoyed the the enemies and they weren't just randomly placed either like i think for the most part um you could probably like dane what what the original purpose behind an enemy's design was based on like where it's located what it's doing like they're in areas that would have made sense possibly for them to be like prior to the destruction of humanity you know like you can you can tell why uh, the scientists that created them um i guess you know designed them for specific purposes for the most part some of them are just there to like rip you to pieces uh one thing that we glossed over and this is kind of cliche in video games but most of the robot animals have various lights that are attached to their mood or state. Like, normally, they they emit bluish-colored lights from various areas, but if they get spooked or are otherwise clued into the fact that you might be around, these lights will turn yellow, and depending on the robot, yeah, they'll start doing stalking behavior or searching for you or backing up nervously, and then when they're actively hostile or aware of you totally they turn red and yeah so it, they very well do mimic different types of animals and it's almost sometimes gives you the feeling like you're on an african uh savannah like just the way the, the ways the different animals react to your presence and to your actions and some of them are aggressive some of them will run away some of them will stalk it it's pretty good it's pretty great all things considered yeah, I don't think I don't think anything was just like haphazardly thrown into the game. I think there's you can you can tell there's a lot of uh, deliberate decisions behind everything, and it and and it's all combined in a way that where it really pays off for the player. You know, you you notice everything that you notice all the little touches that were made in uh, for the game. Yeah, obviously a lot of attention uh, to detail throughout so many elements of the game with the exception of the, the psychonaut. <laughs> uh and, and 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 yeah so so let's uh let's go around the table and get your 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 final thoughts um, we'll start with a new guy oh boy um i think it's just a fantastic sci-fi rpg that did a whole bunch of stuff that you just didn't really see before there were a lot of things that it built on but it was also novel enough. I mean, just watching the E3 trailer, I think, what was it, 2014 or 2015? When you saw that clip of Aloy, and it was a lengthy video of her fighting that robot uh, T-Rex and using the ropes to hook it down and different arrows to knock parts off of it, how could you not want to play that? Wait, 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 Nathan, Phil, did we talk about the Frozen Wilds yet? I don't remember that coming. Ooh, I don't think we did. No, I mean, kind of blended in. I don't know if you guys talked much about the, you know, what it added to the story. You know, um, wait, I'm I'm sorry. Am I the only one that played it? No, I mean, I I played it too, but I don't remember a metric ton of like the the story. It does kind of, but I don't remember it being like earth shattering. No, well, I mean, I thought it was really a really good story for a DLC. Um, So it. It lets you. Um, it adds another like good sized chunk to the map in a new location. And when you go into it, everything there's another there's a tribe of people, and it's a, this time it's a snow. Um, it's in the mountains, so it's a snow snow covered area. Like everything you uh, you go to, and which by by the way, visually that gave me um, a whole like host of mo- new screenshots to take because the way she interacts with the snow is grand. And um, I just like two weeks ago, I just finally deleted. Um, 
my or change my screenshot on my my background on my PS4 uh, from a game that came out two years ago because I had one of the snowy landscapes on there the <laughs> entire time. So so it adds a lot you know a lot of eye candy. Um, the problem in uh, or well the the issue in the narrative I guess here is that this uh, this this new tribe of people. Um, is worried that there's, if, if I remember this right, um, a, a mountain or a volcano near them is um, seeming like it's going to erupt. It's either a volcano or it's just a mountain that's that seems like it's going to explode. Like things are happening. They've sent search parties to it they have, that have never returned. Um, strange like lights and sounds and I don't know what gases are coming out of the mountain. And so it seems like it like a, a increasingly dangerous situation. And basically that's that's what it revolves around. Aloy. You know, she is sent or she volunteers to go investigate it. And what it turns out to be, um, somehow or another, is just like um, like Hades is the um, the AI villain in the main game. Well, what's causing um, the issue in this in this mountain location is one of um, Gaia's other AI subroutines that she's lost control of. And I think this one's um, uh, Hephaestus. Um, so it's very very similar to what uh, what Hades is like in the main game. I can't re- unfortunately recall in detail like what um <laughs> what it what its purpose is, why it's, you know, going amok or whatever. Um but it does it does what the main game does to where you, it just it, it lets you delve into like the the background behind it. I think Gaia plays a part in it too. You get some more uh information on on what happened uh, before the fall of the world with Gaia with with this new AI and just in general of what happened in this other area. So it, is it earth-shattering? No. Is it is it um completely different from the main game? Not not either, but I would say it's at least as interesting as what the main game offers. You know, it's on a smaller scale. It only takes so many hours. But um, it's no less interesting. So narrative-wise, I definitely think it's worth it. Um, and so, Phil, since you love the combat, I, you know, I don't know what your take is on this, but I thought the combat in the DLC was definitely, whether well, the creatures were definitely tougher. So it adds an extra notch onto the combat as well. It's and you get a, um, a you, you get new access to uh, some new weapons and armor, of course, like you know most DLC. Yeah, that bear. The bears, especially the bears, want to just tear you up. Those, those bear, bear, bears are nasty. Yeah. Man. But that was cool. That was great. Yeah, they're more aggressive. Uh, there's also, if you're, so there's this, uh, and I think you kind of alluded to earlier, there's uh, there's this one armor you can get. Uh, it's really high in advance, and it basically has um, a shielding on it. And a lot of players get that, you know, one way or the other. Uh, they'll, they'll grab a hold of that. And and it really kind of makes the game a lot easier. <laughs> yeah, it's and, definitely a DLC you want to get into um, late later on in the game, so you don't ruin the, the remainder of the main. Yeah, yeah. But uh, in this area, there's a bunch of these machines that create uh, electromagnetic pulses that disable that temporarily. And if you're heavily reliant on that armor, you then have to strategize those fights differently. Do you deal with the monster in front of you, or do you try to get that evil machine that's sending out these pulses? That And I think they also like to make the monsters more aggressive or something like that as well. But but they basically disable your shielding armor. So uh, that, that kind of added a little bit more of a wrinkle as well. But I, I agree with you. I love the graphics. I love the added snow effects and stuff. And is it is it just coincidence that I'm drawing these parallels to from this game, the Monster Hunter and Monster Hunter World just added an ice based expansion and Iceborne? Is is that 
<laughs> is there any parallels there? Because I'm you telling know, you, this... I didn't think about it, but yeah, that is kind of interesting. Now. Yeah, interesting, right? And the snow, the snow effects in World are also very, very cool. As you're going way steep in the snow and marking a trail, and the monsters, come... yeah, it's insane. But anywho, I think yeah, what's no. important is it shows. So the DLC is is that side quest chain like you were describing from The Witcher. So it's a side quest done right. You know, yeah. and it's maybe maybe on a slightly bigger scale than just calling it a side quest. That's that's unfair. But it shows that a lesser like a side story can be and to me it was just as engaging of a story. So that's the side quest done right. It, you know, I wish I wish they were all to that level. Um they're not, but that does make the DLC worth it for me. Yeah, absolutely. Uh so so yeah. So now going back to what we think about it the game as a whole. I don't know if new guy got a chance to say everything he wanted to say. Uh, no, I'm pretty good. All right. Uh, second new guy. Okay, is that me? Yeah, that's pretty much you. <laughs> um, so what what you what you wouldn't let me say it earlier? I was trying to, and so I can use it as my wrap up. Like sure. to me, because the story just um, took took first billing. So to me, um, the most important like um, thing about Horizon Zero Dawn is it's just like. It's great. Um, it's a great emotional story. Like everything about it, like the um, the attack on the Nora village early on, that kind of kicks off the events. Like that was heartbreaking to me to see um, Aloy's adoptive father like uh, sacrifice himself. Um, when you start learning about what happened in the past, and you see the visions, and you collect the audio logs of the war against the machines, like that was genuinely frightening to. Um, to read or listen to like some of these reports about you know the swarm of killer machines that's heading towards the the U.S. East Coast and taking out cities and the military gearing up resistance and so it was it, they took the trouble to really let you delve into it if you wanted to even if it wasn't like visually displayed on screen and it, the the end of the world was scary in this game um, the mystery behind why Aloy is well, first of all, why was she, you know, found like as a uh, as a as a baby outside of a um, like a sealed bunker in a mountain, and and how that unravels during the course of the game? The, just everything about it is just so emotional uh, in different ways, which um, I don't think I really get, you know, out of a lot of games, and definitely not to that level. So that would be my 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 sum up of it. And how about you, Mister Laps? Well, I thought that was me. Well, I mean, the other Mr. Laps. <laughs> nice. Um, this was in a, I'd say, one of the best video game years in a long, long time. It was like the second best game that year, which is actually saying a lot more than it sounds like. It was an incredible story for me that just stuck with me for a long while and really... Um, for this to come from a developer that no one expected some like something like this from to launch a new franchise so spectacularly um yeah it's it was extremely impressive like i i had a good feeling like when they first revealed the game like oh this is going to be something cool but uh the, the final product absolutely blew me away and uh yeah it, it's it's great uh, if you don't mind me interjecting, what was sure. what would you say the first, uh, the best game of that year? Yeah, that was Breath of the Wild. Well, we already knew okay. what that was. <laughs> yes, Far, you didn't uh, make that clear earlier on. Yes, and not close either, by the way. And in every <laughs> podcast you're ever on, probably. <laughs> well, I, I mean, it's not just I'm 
let's be clear, I'm not the only person that thought Breath of the Wild was the best game that year. And, uh, you know, for, 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 for me, Breath of the Wild makes a really great coaster, but Monster... No, I'm just kidding. How, Horizon how, Zero Dawn... How does that little cart make a was, coaster? It's a very tiny coaster, but it, okay. I can balance my beer on it just right. It's great. Uh, so... <laughs> Uh, Horizon Zero Dawn, yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, just the stories, just as you guys mentioned, tear jerking had me wanting to know what was going to happen next. I wanted to. I was a little worried about the world ending. Uh, I really think I, I, I love a good science fiction tale, and this has it. I like a good survival, you know, type of thing. This has it. Like it has all, and I and a main character you can care about. That's that's a female lead. That's strong. This game has it. It's it's just so well written. It's really good, uh, you know. Just a really great story, uh, but but uh, you know the combat was was even just a tiny bit better, and and I love it all. I mean, just don't get me wrong, I I, I love it to death. But I can't wait to go and play the game. I mean, this is a game that I would actually go through and play again on like hard or something just to experience you know more of the combat. But I'll probably give it a few years so the story feels kind of fresh again. Because when you're my age, you just wait a few years. Just trust me. It'll be like it's brand new again. It's great. So uh, it is just so, so well done. And what blows my mind is you can play this game that I can only, if I had to wrap it up into one word, the only word I could choose is masterpiece. You can play this masterpiece with the expansion for the low price of fifteen dollars. It's it's on sale right now for fifteen. It's normally twenty, but you can get it for fifteen right now. Either way, that's insane. Uh, and it even comes with a dynamic theme and some bonus stuff, digital stuff and whatever have you. Who cares? You're getting the full game. You're getting the expansion and you're getting all for $20. I paid $60 for the game. I paid probably another 20 or 30 for the expansion and I don't regret $1 of it. So the fact you can go out and get it for, if for some odd reason you haven't picked up this game, you haven't played it before, the fact you can grab it now for $20 or $15 is just insane. It is just an absolute awesome awesome game to play i can't recommend it enough uh it just unless you just completely hate action games there's no reason not to grab this uh, and give it a shot if it was still 60 dollars, i would still say people should go out and buy it immediately (laughs) yeah yeah no absolutely i would do it again if there you know there's very few games that i'll pre-order nowadays uh i'm very cynical and i mean whether it's final fantasy blizzard those were games that i would instant buy in the past and pre-order and nowadays nah i wait for reviews because i just i I don't have a whole lot of faith anymore but if there was a horizon zero two tomorrow (laughs) i just i would be on that bandwagon it is it is absolutely a system seller uh, among a number of other titles the PlayStation Four has, but this this right here makes you proud that you own a PlayStation Four. And I'm not really a primary gon- console player, but man, <laughs> this this is just awesome. So what did I, I we can't give recommend it enough what, on the what, site. What what did we did, give it? What did we get? Hey, that's a great question, uh, Pascal. Five out of five. Did we? Five out of five. Yes, it did was. It was uh, the one of the trio of five out of fives that I think happened in like a span of two weeks or so, two or three weeks. Oh yeah, yeah, I remember. <laughs> yeah, it was wow. crazy. Wait, didn't you contribute to that with some Breath of the Wild stuff? Yes. Yes. <laughs> what was the third one? Was it Persona? Yes. Yeah. I have. Wow, that was um, a good couple of months, huh? Mm. We also got near that year, didn't we? 
Uh, I think so. I think so. <laughs> that was <laughs> that was a year. What a year! <laughs> Just getting piled on by good games. Oh, and Breath of the Wild was there too. <laughs> Um, but well, I mean, I'm gonna had to have something to start it, right? Well, yeah. Even if they had to cannibalize a Wii U game, but, you know. So. This, this, this was this was my personal game of of twenty. I think it's twenty sixteen. Uh, whatever year it was. Yeah, that was, I had. Yeah. I even bought. I even went out afterwards. I didn't know the game was going to be <laughs> this good. So I don't generally buy like collectors editions and stuff like that. I had just bought. The game knew when I saw the reviews and I paid my $60. But I like this game so much that I went on eBay and I forget how much I spent. But I bought the statue that came with the collector's edition. Oh, separate. Do you have the statue? I have that statue. I Well, I didn't have it because I didn't buy the collector's yeah. edition. But I, I awesome bought it afterwards. Statue. It's an, it's awesome, an awesome statue. And it, it sat on my desk. So if you know me, in my workplace, every year I have a new statue on my desk. And it usually reflects the, the you know what I think is going to be my game of the year or whatever. And it was... That Horizon Zero Dawn was was sat on my desk for a year. It was great, and then it was replaced I by have the next, it right by next to my Recore statue. Yeah, yeah. Sadly, I didn't get that collector's edition. Right. <sighs> it, it, it's yeah. It just can't come recommended enough. One of the best single player, if not the best single player There's experiences. The runner up for our game of the year that year as well. Very nearly won it. Yeah. To yeah. a well, like Phil, I think I picked it as my top. So. Uh, yeah, it was, it was, it's it definitely was my top. top two or three for most people that played it. Yeah, yeah. Zelda makes a great coaster. Anyways, uh, we're going to take a break, and uh, because we're kind of a little short on time today, we're going to jump right into the final lap after this musical selection.
have returned, and this is uh, the final lap where, I don't know, we do a whole bunch of kitchen sink stuff, because that's, that's just what we do. I'm going to do things a lot of order. I'm, gonna do, I'm just going to jump into a quick round table here. Uh, what have you been writing on the side, or what have you been doing, or what have you been playing? Wait, 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 Phil, there, there were a couple of comments on our last well, episode. I know, I, that's why I said I was doing it out of order. I said I was doing oh, it out of order. You totally Mr. missed that part. Mr. Throwing the... Throwing the rule book out. What the but, heck but is the know, matter here? You delayed me long enough to where I was able to pull it up. <laughs> and so now I can do it first. I was stalling for time because I was managing my time poorly. Okay, fine. Why don't you read the first comments that you got it pulled up, Mike? Well, it's from somebody named Strawberry Eggs. I want to be. Why didn't the RPG prediction cast work its magic after the Bot and Kaitos episode? Or Archive's Fantasia, for that matter. You know, Phil, I think. This is a very valid question. Why Why hasn't the Bot and Kaito's pair of games or iPrize Fantasia been put onto anything? What What's the matter? I think we need more Power of Magic for, those, for it to work on those titles. I Yeah, I, I think we have a lot of love there, but we're going to need some powerful mojo for those. But we yeah, did bring I'm back pr- some other titles. I mean, our magic has been put to good use because through the magic of our prediction power. Maybe if we talk about them now, it'll produce something. Uh, let's see. Botan Kaitos. That that's a Namco Bandai series mm-hmm. that they've completely ignored for the last thirteen years. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, what and, else? What else, Mister Mike? Well, you you take the first one from Ombre's, then I'll take. Mister Ombre says, uh, "Yeah, I know, but I'm glad they talked about it. Tokyo Mirage was not on my radar at all. Now, one more game I will add to my backlog." Because it happened, we talked about Tokyo Mirage session. Whammo! The switch gets it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's that's how powerful we are. We 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 have powerful powerful powers, and and yeah. So cool. It's can, coming. Can you can you guys do me there, a favor? Get get a Shining Force three. Uh, oh my gosh! Did you see that? But you know, Tokyo. How about Dragon Force? I'd take Dragon Force also. I, I wouldn't take it over Shining Force three, but. Tokyo. Can I take uh, Dragon Quest or Dragon Dragon's Dogma Two? I will take that over basically anything in the world. Well, that, that was a, that's a newly created game. You don't have. Okay, okay, I'll go games. back further. Uh, Dungeon Keeper Three. Can I get one of those? You mean Dungeon Keeper Mobile wasn't enough? No, I yeah. <laughs> Dungeon uh. Keeper Mobile. Now, I think I'm done with you people. <laughs> <laughs> It, the, the, Tokyo we Mirage. just had to have it on the record that Dungeon Keeper Mobile no, is another like, travesty. I'm fine with bashing EA, but Dungeon Keeper Mobile is like, what is wrong with you? Why even dredge that up? Wow. <laughs> because it's the last sign EA gave that the franchise existed and we pissed off so many people, EA doesn't want to resu- let it be resurrected. I mean, because there's below the belt, and then there's whatever that was. That's... Uh, Diablo Immortal. <laughs> oh, we're gonna move to that. No, okay, let's let's not just. Also, our new Legacy of Kane game. Can we get one of those? I'm I'm pretty sure that's been bastardized as well. On the no, that's not happening. Sorry. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I said you had magic, so I'm just listing off some IPs here. Well, you got to be I'm careful gonna... because sometimes that magic is like a monkey's paw. <laughs> uh, yeah, didn't we manage to produce a Breath of Fire game that browser only? <laughs> <laughs> was that after the mobile game? Did, did they 
did they dredge it up again for something else terrible? I, th- I thought it was just a browser game because well, that's I mean, all Capcom it's, thinks it's fine. of it now. There's only one good game in that franchise anyway. I think Phil agrees with you on that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's see. So well, Ombre had another on. comment. Hold on, hold on, hold on. I, you know, we, we got so off track. We were, we started off talking about <laughs> Tokyo Mirage Sessions, Mike. Do you know, though, there is one big problem with Tokyo Mirage Sessions. Do you know what it is? A useless hashtag in its title? No, no. It's it's much more egregious than that. I'll give you a hint. Take a look at some city screenshots. I'll, I'll do you one better. I'll even paste it into Discord. The Discord chat, just for you. Tell me what is yeah, wrong yeah, with I, this screenshot. Why, that looks to be a, a famous thing that Sega makes. What do you notice about the people, Mike? Uh, oh, wait a minute. They're all one color, which is, of course, everybody likes to dress so that their face and their clothing all match. That's very they impressive. They have no faces, Mike! There's no faces! That's not right! That's almost as bad as that one game we talked about where no one has, like, face. It's, it's Why not Why did you gotta right. remind us of that game? That game! Uh. That game, Mike! The game of missing faces! That game on the PS1 that we don't speak of because it's so creepy! So is this just the rubbing salt in wounds part of the show, or...? I just, I just, it was like, oh, Tokyo Mirage sounds like a great game. I bought it, but I never played it. And then I start looking at screenshots to remind my... And I was like, oh, horrified. I'm shaking a little bit. Good thing I'm drinking Devastator. My nerves, you know, calming down a little bit. But man, creepy as hell. Between that and Persona 5, I just don't know what's going on with the world these days. Seems like something that they're doing a lot at Atlas. Let's just make faceless people and see how the, the people react. Well, I don't think they need to do any more experiments on you. No, it's horrible. Stop it, Atlas. Listen to us and just stop it. With the Switch remake, I expect faces. Well, you know what we haven't seen yet is a re-release. Re-release of what you love. cut off? The Grandstream Saga. You remember? Oh, stop it. We were just game. We didn't see the game on purpose, Mike. What is wrong with you? What is wrong with you, my friend? But when are we going to get an HD port of the Dark Spire? No, no, that's not. That, Why would you bring that up? It's not even related. It's not even related. It's not even a, a tissue thread, thread of tissue connecting those two aberrations of RP gaming. Okay, we Just stop we obviously it. need a rematch. No, no, the last no. No, what is it with you guys? What are you smoking? Crap! Oh, I know what it is. You're doing that. You're, what's that thing those young kids are doing? These vaping. You guys are vaping, aren't you? That's just tobacco, man. Or ganja, or whatever it's called. Stop it! Just I only the, abuse high fructose stop it. Syrup, thank you. The vaping has amazing flavor. <laughs> that doesn't make it okay. Okay, no more than these games. Not that's just not right. Uh, excuse me. Have you ever let's smoked just, a cinnamon roll vape before? No, no. Let's just re, let's just move on. To, um, this co- this has gone so far down a dark path. Let's just read what Ombres has to say while I open up another Devastator to calm my nerves. <laughs> Ombres m- mentioned that uh, he's sorry about the double post. You should always m- make sure to listen to the entire episode posting. He asks how I managed to make Bloodstained work, and 
The only thing I can tell you is that I had to restart my computer. I don't remember why right now. But amazingly enough, after I restarted, Bloodstained worked. And I had, you know, a few minor technical issues. But I could ne- I never again had the problem of it just up and refusing to play. And then Hombre's... I uh, hmm? about, so tell me if I'm being foolish for Bloodstained. Every time I think of buying it, um, I tell myself, no, wait, because I want to buy the... Um, whatever, the complete edition when it finally comes out, where they include the prequel with it. Might be foolish. Are they even doing that? Well, I mean, I don't know about it. Like, that's... I, I'm I'm keeping my fingers crossed that it'll happen. I haven't heard any Well, I, I know that there will be more material in it. Uh, let's see here. I think they're talking about having additional playable characters and probably new, new bosses. There's already a piece of DLC that gives you an optional boss fight with Ega. Hmm. And he is indeed a nasty son of a gun, and I had to use a whole lot dodging his stuff, but he was also a fun fight, even if I stanked it. And, yeah, I just know that they are not done because there will be more material, and it will probably make it more stable on Switch. I've heard that that version has some stability problems. But I can also tell you that if you've been chomping at the bit for a new Metroidvania Castlevania and, you know, we haven't gotten one of those in 11 years. You should just bite on it and get this thing because it's pretty darn fun. Mm-hmm. I believe it. I mean, to be fair, there are tons of indie Metroidvanias out there now. Yes, there are. And I'm going to get into some of them over the over time, I'm sure. But none of them were made by Koji Igarashi. And we know that almost nothing in the future will ever have Konami that... RP gamer covers. Yeah, I, I will say like I will say like I've played. I'm a I'm a fan of the genre, and I've and I've played a, a number of of them, and I'm glad that they're, they're they're out there. And some there's some really really good ones, and then there's some kind of mediocre ones. And I'm not a huge fan of the random. By the way, I'll say that for the most part, I don't like the ones with with a lot of RNG. But the ones that are handcrafted, some of them are really nice. But if you're if you're looking, if you really want that castle. Vanya vibe. Um, this game, this this game is really well, a really well done Metrovania that really captures that Metrovania. Like I, I did a review for our some uh, one or two of our DS um, Castlevania games, and those I were remember awesome. you did you did one for Order of Ecclesia, yeah, Ecclesia, which yeah I really enjoyed. This 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 really captures that spirit in a way that the other offshoots, while some of them are really awesome, they they don't really capture. You know the flavor. So different flavor from Castlevania, but same style of game. And I think Wheels will, Wheels will back me on this because um, I've plugged it in other podcasts before. Monster Boy in the Cursed Kingdom. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I actually play. need to play that. I, I played a bunch of older Monster Boys, but I should probably get on that. Yes, it you should. Great. Okay. Do I have it in my Steam library? Let me see. I don't. I suppose I should look for it then. Uh-huh. It's very well, pretty. Jeez, man! You, do, do you know how hard it is to keep up with Steam sales? They're happening all the freaking time. Yeah, I know. I gave up. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yeah, R- R- Bloodstained Ritual of the Night. Because Konami owns the pa- owns the name Castlevania, it is not a, a Castlevania game, but it looks like one. It pl- it feels like one. You are not fighting Dracula, but. In part, you could have been, 
And if that style of game is something that you have been wanting to play, and again, very specifically from Koji Igarashi, the guy who was more or less instrumental for Symphony of the Night, then this feels like that game in many ways. Yeah. And there are wor- there are worse things you can try to emulate. I also believe it has the same composer as Symphony of the Night, which certainly helps. I have to check that. I remember this is one of those games, of course, that has an, a ridiculously long Kickstarter credits list, but I remember seeing that there were a lot of uh, music composers. Yeah, it might just be part of the soundtrack, just remembering something someone told me at PAX. One of the, Was this uh, the game that I heard had people. a four-hour credit roll? <laughs> No, it is not a four-hour credit roll. Oh, there was some game recently I heard that about. It was at least 20 minutes. I wasn't doing a close count, but I was wandering around doing things because I just felt like seeing if there were any interesting credits. And once about the 3,000th Kickstarter name went past, I kind of my mind kind of glazed over. <laughs> but yes, it is absolutely worth playing unless you have never, ever liked this style of game because this is not going to change your mind. Right. And they're still playing like hidden secrets and some of the, you know, couple things you need to look forward to advance and whatnot, but, but still super, super fun if you, that doesn't turn you off. Yeah. And I enjoy poking around saying, ah, this, this bit of the map looks suspicious. Oh, why? There's a, there's a breakable wall here. No wonder it looked suspicious. <laughs> but no wall chicken probably. Yeah. No, we, we kind of gave up on those with the, side-scrolling to uh, not even Metroidvanias. But Miriam gets to eat a ton of stuff. I She finds some fried fish in the treasure. Mmm, I, I, I love my fried fish that's been sitting out in the treasure at the bottom of a lake for who knows how long. And she gets to make her own food like delicious mac and cheese. Mmm. <laughs> Let's move on. He says, uh, Phil, thanks for the game suggestion. I did play Gene Forge a bit, and I really liked it. So this new one seems very interesting. And he says, as for Kinsey, I bought the game because I really like a style that I like a lot. Did play a little bit. Like the directions taken so far. I'm waiting for it to develop more before I really start to play. So playtime's limited in my backlog is so big. And I know Kinseed is a game that I'm watching very carefully. My wife really likes those types of games. I'm watching it for her, but it's still kind of in development. So I'm waiting to see what's going to happen with that. So yay, thank you all for those responses. Uh, you could you can leave your comments at uh, rpgamer.com uh, where you can download the podcast. Uh, just click on podcast, go to RPG Backtrack. Always leave your comments on the latest show even if you're, we get a lot of people who are going through our back uh, backlog of podcasts, uh, and that's great. Always leave your comments on the latest show, though, if you want them right on the air, because we, we don't get notifications when you leave a comment on show, episode 100. Anywho. And we don't make a habit of just going back and, and reading those. Because yeah. there's no automated function, and <laughs> manually going through yeah, manually going through and stuff, it's a bit too difficult. Um, okay, let's do a quick round table. And again, just whatever you're working on the website or what games you're playing, just kind of kitchen sink stuff. The the table is yours for a few minutes, and we'll start with New Guy. Oh boy, New Guy. Um, 
Right now I'm working on guides for Fire Emblem Three Houses still, although my girlfriend's playing it right now, so can't do much work. Um, <laughs> it's fine, I know you're... Anyways, um, she claims she's working on it too, which is not entirely untrue. I'm also working on a guide for Toho Luna Nights, which is just a little indie Metroidvania, as relevant as that goes, uh, that <clears throat> the boss over at Neo Seeker wants for whatever reason, so what he wants, he'll pay for, and he gets... And I'm also working on updating my Extent Baldur's Gate guide to a new edition. Now formatting it, adding hyperlinks. There's this magical invention that came about since I wrote it originally, and that was called Paragraphs. So now I'm implementing some of them in there. Um, Cutting edge stuff. (laughs) And I've got uh, The Outer Worlds, which is planned for a guide later this month. We'll see. There might be some more stuff going on with that, but... Looking looking at writing a guide for that one at the very least. And then as far as stuff I'm playing, no, I think that's enough just with the guides alone. <laughs> oh, right, Borderlands 3, because that just came out, although I usually find myself wondering why I'm wasting my time in that day. And uh, I do intend to play that eventually. It's just that cloud problems with the Epic Store, that oh. on top of all the other news about Borderlands 3 that's just been Randy Pitchford being an idiot, uh, Jeez. Yeah, as far as the Epic Games Store, I was given a choice of platform for uh, the Outer Worlds, and I was originally like, well, I'm going to buy it for PlayStation 4 already, so I should get it on PC, and then I found out that it was... The only key I could get was for the Epic Games Store, so I ended up reverting back to PlayStation. I refused to use the App Store. Um, So, just real quick, side tangent, um, at E3 earlier this year from one location to another and I passed um, Randy Pitchford and I remember oh, looking um, like he was going the opposite direction of me so I, remember, <laughs> I looked at his face and after I had passed him I just had this smile on my face and I was so I'm not going to say it here I don't want to get anybody in trouble I don't want to get myself in trouble I should say but I was thinking something that Jim Sterling would be very proud of <laughs> <laughs> well I think we can all hope that none of us become Randy Pitchford's uh, source of ire in the near future. Let's put it that way. Yeah, I try not to lie that much. Um, Just a personal thing. Segregate your uh, jump drives, everybody. (laughs) I I don't know why we would... He's he's obviously the CEO of a major... Why would... That's just standard smart policy, isn't it? I... I guess. I mean, I can't, I can't look at the trend of rich people and go, well, I mean, maybe honesty does work. It doesn't seem like that's the case, but... Uh, uh, yeah. I think we're getting political. Let's yeah. Let's lean off of that. Okay, so what about the other new guy? I just want to repeat that I've been with the site for like four to five years at least. But... I feel like you're a new guy. You've only been on show yeah, like three times. You know? Although last time I was on, you, you swore up and down that I've been on on longer on staff longer than you so i'm not sure where this is coming from uh this is coming from our good friend devis by the way this this show has been brought to you by devastator devastator really good <laughs> shit drink it today <laughs> Woo! um so within the last uh several weeks i posted reviews for the playstation 4 version of um trails and trails of cold steel and also for dandy dungeon um one of those you've heard of the other one maybe yeah, I don't think I and, heard that second one. And I just finished playing The Surge 2, so there should be a review coming soon for that. Um, speaking of Metroidvania, I'm working on 
um, indivisible right now. Just starting it up, but that kind of goes with the handcrafted Metroidvania style that you were talking about a few minutes ago. And you know what? I think I'm I'm kind of uh, working towards going back to um, finishing finally finishing up Breath of the Wild soon. It's on my uh, on my horizon. Your your first time for it? Yeah, I I stalled out, um, and other things got put on the Switch, and so I I really want to finish, um, and then do Link's Awakening and just have like a Zelda. You know, month. Hmm. I've also never played Link's Awakening, so that'll be my first time for that as well. I think I should play Link's Awakening on the Switch. I remember trying to play it on the Game Boy once time and getting kind of ticked off at the, the lack of buttons on the Game Boy and having to go back and forth from my inventory all the time. Well, I can talk about that in a few minutes. Right now. No, I guess so. Knock yourself out. My turn? Okay. So I recently put up a review for Link's Awakening. Um, we actually had two reviews. I was kind of the review of someone who played the heck out of the original, and Anna put up a review. Of, she, this was the first time she played it, so kind of a cool two different perspectives. Um, it It's a great recreation of the original, and I say recreation because man did... Man, is it really the original with a fresh coat of paint? Which... Um, if you if you played the quote unquote remake of Secret of Mana, may worry you because man, should they not have done that to that game? But in this case, it turned out quite well because hey, really the remake of Secret of Mana made it so that everybody didn't have to be on the screen all at once. Okay, yeah, that's, that was about the that was the, the the single biggest gameplay change. That's something. <laughs> So yeah, there's no real quote-unquote gameplay changes here. It plays just like the original, um, it, which is works out quite well because you know, taking a look at this, the the original is an absolute fantastic 2D Zelda, and uh, there are some uh, improvements, obviously, because you're playing on a controller that doesn't have a B and A button and a D-pad, so. Um, you get your sword to its own button at all times, the shield to its own button at all times, and the Pegasus boots to their own button at all times, which greatly reduces the amount of item switching you have to do. In fact, I think I kept the uh, the Rock's Feather, which lets you jump at the X button almost the entire game, and the Y button would be whatever else I needed. Uh, which was great, because playing the original, as much as I love it, you did have to kind of go in and out of the menu a lot, depending on the situation. And it does kind of make the game maybe a tad easier, because you always have the shield available to you. But, I mean, not really. And I played... I, it's, I mean, it's a relatively easy game anyway, and I played it on hero mode. But it's, it's a great remake. It looks great. It plays great. Uh, it's an absolute blast. Um, it's... The hero mode I mentioned is new. Uh, I think it's similar to hero modes in the past where you take, like, double damage. You don't find enemies and stuff. Don't drop hearts. Uh, It's just an absolutely fantastic remake, and I really hope they kind of take this engine and apply the same thing to maybe the other two uh, old Game Boy games. Oracle of Ages and Seasons. Exactly, yeah, because that would be a lot of fun. Um, and I don't, I don't know. Could that get interesting? Because Cap, yeah, that was. Uh, uh, yeah, I don't know. We'll, we'll see. Uh, that said, having having beaten that and 
being in the Zelda mood, I went back and kind of played a lot more Breath of the Wild. I intended just to fire up my master, my master mode save and play for a bit, and ended up probably putting in like eight hours or so over the past few days. <laughs> uh, found some new areas I don't think I'd ever been to before, and um, I'm doing the dungeons in, in, in a different order and finding that the early and this. This might be helpful for anyone that's never actually finished Breath of the Wild. I'm finding that doing the the, the uh, bird uh, guardian first is the way to go because you get a you get a power that lets you kind of shoot up in the air and it's extremely helpful for exploring. So anyone that actually hasn't finished Breath of the Wild, I highly highly recommend doing uh, that divine beast first, getting that out of the way and getting that power because it will help a lot. Not not just in master mode, in the regular game. Uh, other than that, doing the normal Q&A quest and the hunt, playing lots of Monster Hunter, and um, also going to be playing the HD port of The Alliance Alive on Switch, and eventually we're writing a review for that. Mr. Minky, you know, I before I, I let you talk, Mr. Minky, and hopefully Discord doesn't keep cutting you out because that's kind of getting a little concerning. Uh, I, I will point out that I, I have been perusing this website called rpgamer.com, and I love it because it features articles and interviews from a host of people who really love role-playing games. And I've noticed that there's a number of new reviews up there, including one about the uh, Bloodstain, which we just got to talk about, Ritual of the Night. Uh, yep, a, well, yep. a well-written review up there. I don't know who the guy is, but but uh, he wrote a review, and it's up there for people to read. Also, Child of Light on the Vita, a classic uh, that I enjoyed on the Vita, and so I think uh, people might want to go and read what this guy has to say. Again, don't know who he is. Yeah, maybe other people have had see there play Child just, of Light on just, a PC using Ubisoft's amazing UPlay feature and ran into technical difficulties. That is the beauty of playing it on the Vita. You do not have to use the Ubisoft PC launcher to get it to work. And I I, uh, I echo the reviewer's comments uh, regarding the, the ease of play and how good it looks on the Vita. In fact, it's ironic because I was, I was literally just playing this less than a week ago while I was waiting in the doctor's office. Uh, and I'll talk a little bit more about that in a minute when it's my turn. But I, I just I just thought that was very interesting. We also have a review of like Final Fantasy VIII Remastered, uh, just a number of, of articles and reviews that uh, and, 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 a, and a really cool podcast up there. Not as good as Backtrack, of course, but really close called The Hunt, Stories for Monster Hunter, which just posted its 12th episode. So lots of really great things to find. And then there's this really – now you have to ignore some of the low-hanging fruit there some of the drudgery stuff because there's this one podcast Q&A quest that's very ignorable just pass on and move on but everything else on the site really enjoyable just check it out monster <laughs> how dare you wait Phil haven't you been on this Q&A quest what? at least once in the past he has I don't remember I don't I remember, remember that remember that in I, fact I re- remember that whole thing about not drinking and podcasting I remember Apps inviting me to some sort of podcast where I took it over and called it the RPG Backtrack Huntcast, but <laughs> I, I don't remember being on the Q and A quest. No, 
Well, that's the amazing thing about the Q&A question. <laughs> he cut out as he was about to say the amazing thing about the Q&A question. That was a practical omission. <laughs> what the <laughs> The powers I have as the host, it's amazing. Silence. You, you I, abuse I, your powers for evil. I do. I'm sorry, people. I don't intend to be given <laughs> Discord <laughs> problems. There it is again. <laughs> Shabam. Do you want to just uh, type it out and I can read it for you? Maybe I'll have to at this rate. <laughs> it's going to happen. Uh, uh, I'm also playing Fallout 4. We'll talk about that in the near future. I can't say too much about it or else I'm going to have even more technical problems. I heard him say he's playing Fallout something. No, there's Fallout only four. 76. There's only four choices. Oh, seventy six. That makes five choices I heard, here. I heard him say that Q and A Quest is awesome. No, no. I believe pretty, I heard that in there. No, I'm pretty sure you need some new headphones. So yeah, yeah. Clearly, Fallout seventy six. <laughs> See, there he goes again. Yep, yep. There you go. Hey, um, hey. They, they have a like... test. They have a test server now. You can play all their exciting new features. <laughs> Like the ones that are still not enabled and will be next. Maybe he's podcasting from the Fallout 76 server. That would explain. No, 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 no. That would explain why he's got way too much uptime for that. One, he's actually a person who can speak to you in real time. So, I'm I'm sorry, people. Uh, Bethesda has been giving me tech. (laughs) Just this isn't working. Discord has a wonderful sense of humor they it really does <laughs> uh i will also point out uh, there's a review for Link's awakening uh by two somebody reviews. on this two podcast. reviews two i i just see Link's awakening i just uh not really sure i hear a lot of typing but anywho uh what else what else what else uh oh well, since Mike can't seem to talk a whole lot, I guess I'll wrap this up. So for for, for me, a couple of things, just a couple little quick stories to share. Of course, I've been playing a lot of Monster Hunter. Go listen to Hunt to find out more about that. I won't waste more airtime on that. Just go and listen to the latest episode of The Hunt to hear uh, all of our exploits that we've been having there with Iceborne, as well as going back and playing some of the older games, including, you know, Mr. Apps and I played some Monster Hunter 3, because why the hell not? Uh, we've also also uh, fixed my Vita, so I, so I have one of those Vita one thousands, the runs with the really the fat ones with the really cool beautiful OLED screen that I don't want to upgrade to a three thousand, but but the, but the problem was the battery. So after like maybe an hour, it would already start kind of flashing with low battery errors. It would still last for like another hour and a half, but the error would keep flashing up and it would turn red, and it just. From what I understand, that's like the beginning of the end, and then the battery goes kaput after a while and like completely dies on you, and then you can't use your Vita anymore because if your battery's dead, the Vita doesn't work plugged in if your battery's completely dead. So I went on to Amazon. I bought a, a battery from there, a Vita 1000 battery. Make sure you get the one for your series. And watch a YouTube video and very carefully put it in, and I'm happy to report it's all working and I didn't break my Vita. And so far, so good. Uh, I haven't had a chance to fully discharge the battery, see how long it lasts, because it seems to be lasting longer than what I have in free time. But, yeah, not so hard. Also, just all over the place today, Puzzle Quest on the Switch. We covered it on our site. I believe the review is done by uh, Mrs. Anna Maria Privatea, but I've been farting around with it because I loved Puzzle Quest on the PSP and on the PS3, and this is the ultimate edition. You know, there was Puzzle Quest 2, there was Puzzle Quest Galatrix, there was, I think, Puzzle Quest Kingdoms, there were some offshoots, but... Yeah, 2, that's the one I played. <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, and you know, I don't, you know, 2 should have, like, 2 felt like more RPG-like. It had, like, dungeons and stuff, but for whatever reason, it just didn't, for me anyways, it just didn't click nearly as well as the first original game. So I'm very excited that there's this beautiful Switch version with added content, added classes, and it looks really great on my television when I put it in dock mode. All those big symbols, really pretty. Queen's Wish, I've been playing that, and, you know, but that's a, that's a spider web game, and, you know, we were mentioning before about Gene Forge, as Ombre's put it, pointed out, I, I, I just have mixed feelings on it, you know, I, he's, so, so, it's, I probably won't get to do a full review, because that would mean playing through the entire thing, and I don't think I have the intestinal fortitude. So, is that one of your gold box games? You know what? It, 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 it is so, so Queen's Wish is, for those who don't know, it's a spider web game made by, Spiderweb is a very small company run by one guy that has maybe a total of three and four employees total. And he creates games that are very similar to Goldbox. His, his games are all, they're very retro-style, Ultima-like or Goldbox-like games. Combat, very similar to Goldbox. Turn-based, tile-based graphics. Queen's Wish is his latest creation. And there are certain things that I like about it, but it, it, it's kind of a mixed bag for me because he it's streamlined in a number of ways. So when you compare it to like Gene Forge or you compare because uh, he has a number of Gene Forge games out or Av- Av- Avadon, the Avadon series, the game feels more simplistic in a number of ways. You, you don't really have as many skill selections care uh class selections it's pretty much locked in based on the characters it doesn't quite go as deep uh there's not you can't pick up every item like you could in the previous games which on one hand keeps the game more streamlined it keeps you more focused on the story and it keeps you more focused on the combat and keeps you more focused on kind of what's what most people kind of consider important but it's so funny because his game's are, are, are supposedly trading it under your nostalgia like his audience for these the people who buy these games generally speaking are you know old fogies like myself <laughs> who 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 like the deeper part of the old school games even the gold box games from the 1980s you know had the later ones specifically had a lot of class selection options and had a lot of item management and things like that. And this game eschews a lot of that so that it's, you know, focusing on the the faster combat and the story. And the story's pretty cool. It's got a, a great premise. I talked about that in the last podcast. So go back and listen to that. I won't go through it all over again. But where I've gotten, th- where I've kind of moved forward now from the last podcast, it, there, there's more decisions which have an impact, which are kind of cool. But then there's times where I feel like that, from a role playing perspective, I don't see the decisions that I would normally like in a conversation. There's a list of options you can pick from, and none of them reflect what I want to do with that character. And I feel like I should be able to, based on what I've role played so far. And it's just a little bit of a of a disconnect. So for me, the changes in Queen's Wish compared to previous ones, it's like a step forward, a step back. And then you add on to that somehow. His graphics have always been simplistic. It's a small team, and, and that's what he caters to. And, and that's fine. I, I don't need cutting-edge 3D graphics to be super excited. But somehow these graphics actually feel like a step back. <laughs> From his previous works, which were already very simplistic, and and it it takes away a little bit, you know, just a little bit more. I I really love old fashioned two D graphics, but in the day and age where we're seeing these indie efforts that are using two D pixelated graphics with a lot of beauty and charm, 
I don't think he has to be up to that standard. Uh, some of the like Al's uh, Al Boy is a really gorgeous game. I don't think you quite have to be Al Boy, but there's no reason why you can't have a little bit more detail like you had in your previous games in this game. And, and according to him, he likes to defend himself a lot on Twitter and social media. And he talks about, well, I like to use a new engine just to shake things up. And da, 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 da. look, I'm just a consumer. I know what I like. I know what I liked about your previous games and some of the things you swapped out here. Just, I, I think some people are going to like them. For me personally. Uh, it's kind of almost two steps forward, or one step forward, two steps back. So uh, it's not quite captures me as much as I hoped. Uh, more positive news. I this is just some retro news I'm throwing out there because it's a it's I love D and D games as most people know, uh, including New Guy One. Uh, we've talked about D and D games a lot. We both share a passion for the old school games. We share a passion for Baldur's Gate. Uh, maybe slightly different passions, but we we both say it's a good game and we enjoy it in different ways. But Neverwinter. Uh, Neverwinter Nights, right? The original single-player experience, not the MMO, right? That's had a high-definition remake. You've, you, have you played it, new guy? Uh, are you talking about the one made by Bioware? Be- Beam Dog. Oh, yeah, yeah, well, originally, yeah, okay. Originally by Bioware, it. new one, basically just fancier, higher resolution, some 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 tricks and whatever, but have you done the, the Beam Dog re-release by chance? No, I haven't played the enhanced edition of it yet. Yeah, and I mean, it doesn't seem like at, at surface glance there's a whole lot of reason to run out there and, and grab or play the Enhanced Edition. I grabbed it just on a Steam, or not Steam, a GOG sale. I love GOG. And I grabbed it, I wait for a Super GOG sale just to have it in my library because if I do get a hair up my ass and I want to go back and play Neverwinter again, I, I wouldn't mind being able to have, you know, have some of those other options that it brings to the table and see how well it works out or, you know, being able to do the multiplayer if I have a friend to run with me. What's interesting is that they are releasing new expansions for it. DRM free is the way to be. Yeah, I heard about that. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'll I'll probably buy it on PlayStation 4 when the price drops, because that's where all my friends are, and I played Neverwinter Nights back in the day on PC, we're talking like 2003, 2004, I think, Mm -hmm. with my girlfriend, hi girlfriend, and uh, some of our other friends back from Diablo 2, and it was much more fun with multiplayer, I'll I'll say that. Sure. Um, So, getting a console version... So, so I, that's nice. cool to know. So the enhanced edition is is on the PlayStation Four. Yeah, it, it's launching. I think December, early okay. December. So it's coming soon. Uh, yeah, they yeah, want fifty bucks for it. Not worth fifty bucks. Uh, the other ones got pushed back to October fifteenth, but I don't think the launch of Neverwinter has been mm. affected. I know. I, I I saw the announcement for like Baldur's Gate coming to the Switch. And I'm, I, on one hand, I'm excited that a new audience will get to experience this classic. I'm, I'm a fan of classic RPGs, especially D&D-inspired ones. Uh, but, of course, being a proud member of the CRPG club, uh, I'm always going to advocate for the computer version, if for no other reason. It's going to be a hell of a lot cheaper than the Switch version when it comes out. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> Those are being sold in various collections, both Baldur's Gate games. And Siege of Dragonspear come in the same come on the same uh, collection. I don't know if they're all in one disc, but I hope so. Uh, and they're all fifty bucks. So you get Baldur's oh. Gate one, Baldur's Gate two, and Dragonspear, which is not that bad of a deal. They mm-hmm. all go down mm-hmm. on sale for like ten bucks a pop. But so, so you wait, do you like, get all three of those for fifty bucks? All, all three for fifty bucks. Yeah, all right, that's not too um, bad. That's not too well, bad. Well, it gets it only gets worse from there because it is cheaper on PC. And this is it's still cheaper will, on PC. But if you're getting yeah. all three for fifty bucks, yeah, because and... they still want like twenty for each on PC. If you don't get them on a sale, which why would you buy them when they're not on a sale? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. 
But um, then again, I can also say if you wait like four months or five months, nah, these will probably be 30 bucks ish So that's just what physical launches. Uh, Icewind Dale and Planescape Torment are on the same disc, and nah, asking 50 bucks for both of those is kind of... Yeah. But then you get to Neverwinter Nights, and just that for 50 bucks that's... I mean, yeah. even, even my fanboy self can't justify that. Yeah, yeah, you're just getting kind of greedy there. So... Uh, I, I you know the, so Neverwinter Nights, uh, Tyrants of the Moon scene is their is their new kind of DLC for their enhanced edition Neverwinter Nights. I, I don't think I'm going to rush out and and buy it to play it, but I did put on a wish list. I might grab it on sale and you know fart around with it and then talk about it here. But according to the bullet points on here, it is an expansion sized DLC with 20 plus hours of gameplay. Uh, using a world map to explore 18 areas in the Moonsea region, including Sindel Keep, uh, Kabathor, Thar, and prominent city-states. Uh, you get to recruit five different companions for your party, uh, five new monsters to do battles with, 14 new NPC portraits, 35 minutes of new music, uh, and uh, and a whole bunch of lines of character voiceover. So, depending on how well that's actually all executed, could very, very well be uh, worth uh, 10 measly dollars. Uh, so if I see a lot of good word of mouth on it, I might just pick it up at the full price, but not knowing anything about it uh, and, and being a little bit on the poor side at the moment, I'm a little, well, I'll wait. I'll wait on it. But I just thought I'd put that out there in case anybody else had picked it up. I'd love to hear what they think about it. Do you know if it's still going to be third edition? Because I think it would have to be to be compatible with the other. Yeah. Yeah. The, 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 I mean, the whole game. engine's based on third edition. So Yeah. It's like Aurora Engine, third edition, yeah. D&D. Yep. Like, where exactly. do they even go after the Underdark expansion? Because, like, the power scaling got so absurd by that one, I... I just I don't have, know what you do. I would have to think that this is either for you know low level characters or maybe even brand new characters because I, I think you're right. It would just be insane after that if yeah. you were carrying your characters over. That's a really great question, and I'm looking through this uh, the, the 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 GOG webpage with a description on it, and it doesn't indicate anything about the actual levels of the characters you'd want to play this with. So, so on a scale question. of ten to eleven, how hyped are you for Baldur's Gate? 3? Just curious. Oh boy, that's a that's a that's a great question. Um, <laughs> and and um, boy, I, I seven. I'm like cautiously optimistic because my feelings have been hurt so many times in the past. I think you missed the point of that. Uh, <laughs> the, the, the ten to eleven, you lowballed me, but that's fine. Um, that was a bit of a gag. Um, no, I totally agree with you because there's a lot of. There's a lot of questions to answer. Like, at the end of Baldur's Gate 2, Throne of Bale, your characters were, well, literally god tier. <laughs> and they have to start with new characters. They can't, after 20 years, go, hey, remember all the story beats from the last one? No? Okay, we'll have a new game that requires it. Yeah, and then I mean, they're converting to 5th edition, so... I mean, did they say, is, did they even talk about the story at all? Or I don't could, think did so, they leave but... it? So, I mean, it could be a prequel, could be a... Could be... Uh, you know, a sequel of of what happened afterwards. With, like, it could be totally party. unrelated and just have the yeah. name. I mean, that's the thing we the don't way, know. Um, from what I've read, it sounds like it's completely unrelated. Yeah, I mean, it I takes, almost takes place well in the future of the original games. As much of a fan of the originals, I am. I you also got to be realistic. It's been twenty years, and you can't you can't dredge up that old story and i do think there's a chance we'll see some characters from it the ones that may have survived or persisted to the present day like maybe viconia but um yeah i I just i don't know what to think of it it just you know it's for i mean Baldur's gate is really the main draw of it was the the character interactions and and the story i think the combat and stuff 
you know, we talked about this on like a previous podcast. And everyone's got their opinion on it, uh, but I think for a lot of people, especially, it's really funny talking to friends who played it, and and a lot of them had just played it on easy. And and oh. when you talk to them about it, they weren't bragging about the combat system; they were bragging about the story and the characters. Um, so I think as long as the writing's really good and really well done, then and, and the fifth edition rules are a lot easier to get your head around. I think fifth edition would be better for most character or most players because. Second edition was so wonky, and they released Baldur's Gate 2 around the time when they were transitioning to third edition, so they wanted some third edition stuff in there, and that's why we got the uh, high-level abilities, the epic feats, whatever you want to call them. Yeah, and 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 I don't, you know, and I don't know how much of our previous episodes you've, you've had a chance to listen to, or how much, I can't remember how much you and I talked about this in the past, but... I I wasn't what I was one of those people who wasn't a fan of Baldur's Gate combat system because you're taking a very deep, very complicated turn based turn based game and you're turning it into real time strategy essentially with six characters moving at the same time. It would even tick me off just casting a fireball spell because as soon as the casting time would start, all the enemies, all of the heroes are all moving at the same time. By the time the spell goes out. They're in completely different places, and you have no control over where the the, the spell executes at that point because you would have picked that place at the beginning of the casting. Whereas you know yeah, from yeah. playing gold box games is the exact opposite of that, right? And it's a lot, it's much much like, more strategic. I almost it, want my D and D games to be turn based. Like I think, yeah. Aside from all its other faults, Temple of Elemental Evil probably had some of the best implementation implementation of uh, turn based Dungeons and Dragons because you had visual cues for every rule in the well i'm not gonna say every rule in the game but you were shown how far you could move and it'd still be a five foot step and a move action and what radius your spell would affect when you cast it and it was all overlays and that good stuff exactly so i I will say like if you're gonna but the you know they're going to say that's what appeals to the masses right masses don't like turn-based tactical despite the fact that games like XCOM and whatever sell well they, they don't like it they and Larian's own Divinity Original Sin game yeah Divinity right? Original Sin no, we gotta we gotta have so if you're gonna go real time then I would say 5th edition is the best rule set because it is also one of the simplest and spells execute immediately and things like that which lend themselves more into real time play so uh, yeah it, it could definitely that's why I say like I was 7 like I'm trying to look at the glass half full but I'm very cautious because there's so many ways that that, that could all fall flat. But we'll I, I see. Because say, we've seen some good successful stories with like Divinity Original Sin since then. I think Larian, like aside from Obsidian, they're pretty much the best choice you could ask for for a developer yeah. to make Baldur's Gate 3. So I have to be optimistic about that. But when it comes to Baldur's Gate 2 and how you like the combat, I think one of the first questions to ask is like, what class were you playing? Because those games had fantastic magic combat. Mm-hmm. But if you're a fighter... You're kind of limited to just kiting and clicking on the enemy, and yeah, that that was about it. And they yeah. were just kind of the meat shields, and they could do some cool stuff like greater whirlwind, but you were usually just buffing them and using them as meat shields and sending them out to do all the physical damage. But if you were playing a mage, I mean, well, then you've got all the options. Then you buff and debuff and summon, and it's great. Old so. old school D anD D was like that, right? Your fighters shown at the lower levels. Your wizards were stellar. At the higher levels, and, yeah. and they they took the center stage for combat. Fifth edition, it's it's more balanced. Um, I, so many spells are nerfed so bad uh, when you go from second edition to fifth edition. Like just whole person second level spell is just a huge. It goes from being able to affect one to four, you know, enemies that are held forever until you kill them uh, to. Might affect one person if he doesn't make his saving throw, and he gets yeah. to remake it every few seconds. 
So you better kill him quick. Yeah, no, total. A so, lot of those spells did need a nerf, so. Yeah, I know, right? I just... But anywho, uh, anyways, if anyone's going back to, you know, anyways, if anyone's playing the Neverwinter Nights new expansions from uh, Moonbeam or whatever the hell, Beamdog, whatever the hell it's called, uh, let me know, because I'd love to hear your thoughts. Um, I'll keep my eyes open for, you know, reviews or YouTube videos from some of the people I follow and see if they have any opinions uh, and keep you all posted. But yeah, plenty of things going on there uh, on... Um, get down off of there. Bad kitty. Uh Plenty of things going on on our website and plenty of things going on in, in the world of gaming and retro gaming and computer gaming. Lots of cool things going on. But it is late and we need to wrap this up. So I'm just going to take a moment to remind everybody listening that uh, RPG Backtrack is a production of RPGamer.com. Your news, your host, your web, whatever, your hub for news, reviews, and home to the best gaming community on the net. Head over there. You can check out our forums. We have a Discord server. You can come and chat with us. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, met some met a couple of new people there this week and it's just really great talking with other people who share uh, a passion for role-playing games from all over the world it's just super exciting so come join us on discord you can also talk with mike and and i and new guy one and new guy two um you know yeah he says he's been here forever but i don't believe him devastator tells me he hasn't really been here that long but and i'm I new guy two i assume right every no you're new uh, guy that's one. me oh, anyway, who that's, knows phil doesn't even know anymore Okay. No, I That's think I got, I think I got your numbers straight, but I believe everything Devastator tells me tonight because it never lies to me. So if we get another new guy, does it like move up a rank, or like do I become new guy two and then he becomes well, new that's guy the, three? Phil has changed it four times tonight already, so yeah, it's, it's unclear. Yeah, can't and we have uh, we have other new guys who will. What's important? <laughs> what's important is <laughs> you will stay new guy for the better part of a decade, no matter who, how many times new guys join. That's fine. I can live with it. <laughs> Apparently, well, that's what I've learned tonight. You know, or you could just be like apps and play a lot of Monster Hunter with me. It helps you move up in the ranks faster. What platform do you play Monster Hunter on? Uh, just about every one, really. We got okay. World on PS4. We've got uh, okay. I'll get Mon- back to you on PS4 because I'm probably getting that later. Yeah, if you're there still you go. Playing it, that's enough. Yeah, yeah. Uh, anywho, uh, yeah, and if you like Monster Hunter, any of the games, we have a channel set up on our Discord server just for that. Uh, we got a channel set up for a lot of different reasons, so come and check it out and come hang out with people who share whichever role playing monster hunter game whatever tickles your fancy come and chat with us we'd love to chat with you over our discord channel but you can find about all that leave your comments about our previous podcast you can hit us up on twitter at rp gamer uh i'm at jc servant mr minky's at you mason um, or just say at rp gamer it all works we'd love to hear from you uh and check out our previous podcast there under the podcast section we got over 200 episodes for your listening enjoyment and since they run so, so long, it really, you're just never going to run out of us just chattering on and on about our favorite role-playing games from the way back when, right up through yesteryear. But until next time, I'm going to sign off all... I, I don't even know if I want to ask Mr. Mickey to give us a quote for the night because he might get cut off halfway through. I'm going to make it really better. fast. Discord, you suck. Good night. Ah, Discord, you let us down. <laughs> What's it for lack of trying, I assure you? I know. <laughs>